This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management. Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show. Sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brent Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego, providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts... Brent and Chase Wilsey. Well, good morning and welcome to the Smart Investing Show. I'm Brent Wilsey. Thank you for joining us this morning. <clears throat> As always, every Saturday morning here on the Smart Investing Show. I've been doing the Smart Investing Show on local radio for 28 years now and uh, really enjoy doing the show. And always great. We had a workshop last week, actually on Thursday. Always great seeing people and getting the feedback from people and always taking your calls as well. Speaking of that, if you have investment questions or want a fundamental analysis of a stock you own or looking at buying, selling, or holding, give us a call at 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And as always, that will get you through for your unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about but in the beginning here we always talk about different topics that were important last week and with me doing that is chase good morning chase how you doing good morning doing well well i i gotta say i like that padre shirt you have on this morning <laughs> yeah hey uh they've been they've been rolling i mean they, they've been uh, fun to watch and thought it was a cool shirt so i yeah. thought i'd throw it on it's a little padre hawaiian since we're on radio since people can't see yeah that, that, that's true it's got the padre logos on it in the name and then you got the hawaiian leaves and stuff and it's just very festive i mean it com combines two of my favorite things i love hawaiian shirts it makes me feel like i'm on vacation it gives me that relaxed feeling on the weekends and then the padres they've been fun to watch and a big padres guy and I think, Brendan, you want to make a commentary? He's all excited about the Padres. I'm too, just so. so happy they have the best record in the league, and the Dodgers are, like, way behind us. So. <laughs> well, good. Always, always going to talk about the home team here. So, But uh, we do have things to talk about. Uh, again, did, did talk about the workshop already. Uh, a great uh, workshop on Thursday we had at Alesmith Brewery. Really appreciate them having us out there. Uh, also, too, we have another one coming up, I believe, June 24th. So if you missed that one, June 24th will be the next one. Stay tuned for details on that one. I believe, yeah. I, I'm uh, kinda, oh, sorry, yeah, yeah. June yeah. 24th, yeah, I think yeah. that's the date. Yeah, I think it's the date. If not, you can always go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com, and we have it posted there. Actually, i, I got to see if we did do the – got to change it. Did uh, Brianna change it on Friday? Probably not. Oh, no, I don't think we've changed it just okay. yet. I think we're going to set that up on Mondays Monday. when yep. registration will yep. open. Time goes by so quick, so many things going on. So speaking of that, let's talk about uh, buyer's remorse. Um, interesting survey came out from Bankrate, uh, you know, uh, I think it was like Wednesday morning, that 60% of millennials who purchased their first home, well, surprised, they're unhappy. The reason listed, maintenance costs are just too much. And we've talked about this in the past with homes and People are like, oh, it's so great. You get a home that goes up in value. They don't think about the maintenance costs, <laughs> repairs, the pool cleaning, the the, the gardening, all these things. You don't think about that. <clears throat> well, welcome to homeownership. You now find out that maintenance costs are more than you thought. Um, they felt that the home was either, and this is funny, either too big or too small. You know, didn't you walk through the home and, and see in the beginning here? I mean, I don't get it. Yeah, I, I just... It, it confuses me. And the, and the big one that I guess doesn't confuse me is uh, many of them say they overpaid for the property. 
Wow, that's a shocker. <laughs> you know, I mean, you look at charts right now of home <clears throat> prices. It's it's just insane what they've been doing. And you know, you can't sit here and tell me that now is a great buying opportunity. There, there's not good value in the market broadly. I, I'm gonna say that there might be some homes out there. Might is the key right. word that are a good value, but you gotta find those. You know, <laughs> they're hard to find out there. They're very hard. To Overall, find. I think a lot of people are overpaying for real estate right now. And then also to this one. Just it, it it really cracks me up. I mean, they complain about the mortgage payments being too high, but also they say the mortgage rate was too high. Right? How can the mortgage rate be too high? We're at historic lows. <laughs> Have people not looked back to the what the seventies and eighties when you would pay fifteen percent for a mortgage? Well, this money's free yeah. right now, and, and it's just crazy because again, they're probably paying a three, maybe a three and a quarter. But the thing too, the whole thing. I mean, they are first time home buyers. Uh, I guess they didn't listen to our show very much because, again, if you're paying a higher price for a house, guess what? Your mortgage payment is going to be higher because your your price was higher. I mean, it's it, it just common sense, and nobody kind of walked these millennials through this, and it's a shame that they're learning this way. Uh, and, and, and the problem that I, I see we're going to have is that people think that, oh, yeah, I'm going to buy this home at this price, and in five, seven years, ten years, I'm going to double my price. That's not going to happen. I, I think people are going to be very disappointed with appreciation over the next five years because it's just when you pay a high price for anything, I don't care if it's real estate, stocks, commodities, whatever, it's very hard to go much higher. So I, I think there's going to be a lot of disappointed people in the years to come. Well, and I, I think it is interesting. I mean, we did this post on Facebook as well, and I, I was just reading a comment this morning, and this guy does remodels for kind of starter homes. Mm-hmm. So a lot of his clients, he said, are millennials. And he said, oh, they get the home, and basically they, they think they're getting it cheap, and they'll <laughs> fix it up. Well, right now, to fix up a home, I mean, he brought up the ideas, well, they want the refrigerators that, you know, are like the see-through, and they're all the high-tech mm-hmm. stuff. Those aren't cheap. <laughs> so <laughs> you start to rebuild this house, essentially, and you're like, well, you paid maybe what you thought was a good price for the home, but you got to do all of this work to it yeah. where now you're really in the hole. You can't afford all these things that you thought you could have. Right. And the other thing too is sometimes you'll do things that maybe look nice, but they're not long lasting. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden those start to fall apart. And also too, if you waive the inspection, let's say if you're buying a home, you might think you're getting one thing and, oh, that's not real wood. That's fake. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, you could really be hurting yourself. And you know what's kind of funny too is that uh, – if you put too much into the home, we make it too complicated, too high end. I've learned over my 40 plus years of doing this, the more complicated, the more likely something's going to break on you down the road. <laughs> so it's like you got to think about that going forward. And, and I do say if you bought the home for a place to live for the next 10, 15, 20 years, and that's why you did it, you're going to be fine. But if you bought it with the expectation like, wow, I'm going to do great on this and I am going to put in another hundred, I don't know, $200,000 in the home. You're not going to get that back. But if you enjoy the home, I, I think that's more important. Enjoy the home, happy where you live, then, then that's fine. But don't think you're going to make a, a great investment because you're actually paid high. And you're right, if you had more to it for the remodel, that takes even more to get that back. And also, it can raise your property taxes, too. Raise your property taxes and not to mention the high cost of lumber right now if you're trying to yes. do different things. Uh, that wasn't on our list of topics today, but, uh, you know, that has also skyrocketed, which I had somebody else mention, well, I'm trying to build a home right now, but I can't really build because things are so expensive on the lumber front. So so. I I did want to say on the the home market too, one thing that people ask is, well, what do you foresee in the housing market? And 
we say we don't think prices are going anywhere in the next five to ten years, we don't necessarily foresee a, a big pullback. Like people are, oh my gosh, these prices are going right. to fall off a cliff. It's not going to be like 2007, 2008, where housing prices did fall massively. I mean, we're we're in a much cleaner spot, I'd say, in terms of the loaning process. Where I don't think people get underwater and and all of a sudden you have all these liar loans and things of that nature that really, I'm gonna say, snowballed mm-hmm. the housing market as well. I, I think you could see a maybe small five to ten percent correction essentially in housing prices, and then maybe a small escalation back to where we are today over the next five to ten years. Right. And, and again, if you bought the home because you love it and you want to raise your family there, it's close to the good schools. Uh, you know, who cares about that? But if you did buy it because, oh, you're going to make all this money and it was the best investment you think you ever made, you're going to be very disappointed, unfortunately. So, point. all right, let's 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 move on. Because also you talk about lumber, but the thing that we're looking at is the boom in copper. Is it going to continue? I mean, the green energy push is a major plus for commodity as uh, it has various applications. I was surprised on this. Electric vehicles contain as much as 180 pounds of metal, which is four times higher than a gas-powered car. And also, too, copper is used in homes as well. Yeah. Now, when I used to be a plumber back when I was like 20 years old, <laughs> uh, we used copper piping. I do believe that's gone. They use uh, uh, plastic, I believe now, but it's used in wiring. And again, there's a lot of wiring that goes through a house, so copper is used a lot. Uh, and also, I believe it's used in electric motor. Well, <laughs> obviously electric motors, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, the other thing, too, that it is used on is uh, wind turbines. Yeah. So actually onshore wind t- turbines occupy about four times the copper that a general fossil fuel powered power plant would. And offshore wind, t- wind turbines actually use even more. And I mean, a lot of this we're bringing it up because, oh, there's this green energy push, green energy push. Well, hey, maybe you should look at some some copper based companies that, that could benefit your portfolio. And I was just even surprised too. speaking about the green power is related demand from green power energy was just 3% of copper usage in 2020. I mean, as we continue to push green energy, Goldman actually estimated it could hit 16% by 2030. And that doesn't sound like a whole lot, but when you actually factor that into the amount of copper that's out there, that that's a big push, it is a big push. in terms of the, the new <clears throat> demand that we could see for copper. And, and, and a company that we kind of looked at, which we're not saying it's, it's to buy, is a, a major player in the field is a Freeport McMoran. Uh, they have a stock price around 40. Uh, it's up like 360%, which is one thing we don't like. And, uh, and they had a low of 860. I remember, gosh, I think it was pre-split. Uh, they were $100, I'm going to say, probably like 10 years ago. So they really were hot. They pulled back. Now they're kind of mid-range. But as I'm thinking this through, uh, I talked about I was a plumber back when I was like 20 years old. Well, copper got very expensive for the piping as replaced by a lot of plastic piping. Well, I'm wondering as copper keeps going up, will there be another alternative that they come up with? And this is why you want to be very careful about like, oh, by 2030, it's going to be way high. So I'm going to get in now. I don't care what I pay for it because things can change. All of a sudden they might say, well, we found this some type of metal alloy that can work better than copper, but it's half the price. So that's one thing you want to be careful of is don't think that everything's going to go to the moon because as things go up, the the direction, the trajectory can change. And therefore, all of a sudden, like, oh, I bought Freeport McMoran at 40, and here it is three years later. Now it's at 30 because they came out with some new metal or something. As one thing you learn in economics class is when you look at supply and demand is how substitutes impact demand. Yep. You have substitutes come out. Well, now your demand's lower for your particular product. Yeah. So 
it, it is something, and, and you're so right, because a lot of times people, I think, look at saying, well, this is the future. And again, you, you don't think, and I can't tell you what it is. And this is why we don't like to speculate. Right. I can't tell you what that new metal could be that could replace copper, but there is something that could potentially replace copper, and that would just destroy yep. the price of copper. It just, it just, and I, I did want to say one thing, too. And I, I was just blown away by this. And uh, copper mines actually annually produce about 21 million metric tons, which is about 45 billion pounds of copper. Uh, say that number again. 21 million metric tons, which is about 45 billion pounds of copper. Uh, that's what's being produced, or that's what Freeport McMoran is? That's what copper mines annually produce. Okay, annually. Now, the other thing, too, that could happen is that I, I don't know how much copper is in the ground, but if they start running out of it, uh, the prices will go up more. Again, bringing in another type of alloy to actually re, you know, replace copper. So Yeah, and this is what Freeport actually said as well, though, is most of the time they produce a lot more, but with the price kind of spiking on copper, they, they've kind of pulled back. They said actually last month only 2 million metric tons of new annual supply were being developed last month. So they were way off on what's normally produced because they're very cautious after being burned with copper prices collapsing uh, after they peaked at $4.70 about a decade ago. So that's one thing, too, is that it's right. like the oil situation that we saw. I think that was much more prevalent back in, what was that, 2000, was it 2015? When oil prices were like $100 a barrel, and then they just fell off a cliff. Yeah, I forget the year that was. And I, it's happened a couple times yeah. throughout the history. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, that, that's what happened. It goes way up, and then it comes way back down again. Uh, and, and what what we want to try to find is maybe not the Freeport MacMorans, but companies that are kind of supporting them that are seeing an increase in their business that a Freeport MacMoran goes down because, uh, and I'll just make it very simple, the picks and shovels to get out uh, the, the mine, the copper, that whether they're getting out copper or some other type of metal, this other company that's assistant to them, we'll call it, or, or you know, helping them out. Uh, is what we want. So again, the picks and shovels that we always talked about, sometimes not the gold, but the picks and shovels, they're much safer. You may not have the big up, but you many times don't have the big down too. Yeah, and I, I will say that I would highly recommend looking at this much closer, but I, I think it is just very interesting because, I mean, Freeport did bring up some interesting ideas there as well as that, I mean, there are a limited number of good mining locations left worldwide. And the other thing too is lead times for new projects, they can stretch from six to eight years due to permitting and environmental oh, reviews yeah. and so forth. So if things start to slow down and there's not as much copper out there, Freeport could be in a very good spot because it, it says it has about 30-plus years of reserves in the ground that mm. it can kind of pull out. So they could be a big, big winner if the copper situation doesn't even spike, but if it stabilizes. Right. I think they could do very well. You just have to really be careful with it, understand that it is kind of pricey in terms of the stock price right now. Um, but I think there could be some potential at the right price. And, and you mentioned they have a 30-plus-year supply in the ground. Uh, the government is terrible for this. When they do projections, they don't think anything's going to change. So what I'm wondering, with that projection of the 30 years, was that based on the current demand or previous demand or an average over the last 10 years? Uh, projections are very hard. As the further out you go, the more likely something's going to come and change it that you weren't expecting, and therefore... Uh, Maybe it's not 30 years. Maybe it's longer. Maybe it's less. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say the nice thing, though, is they're the ones that can release it. They're not the government. I think a lot of times <laughs> private business projections are a little bit better. 
But uh, the other thing is, if copper collapsed to, let's say, I, I'm just making up numbers here. Let's say it fell 50. percent We're not gonna. We don't want to sell as much copper right now. We're right. Not, we're not as profitable. So you pull back your amount of copper that you're releasing into the marketplace because you're like, we have 30 years of reserves. We're not gonna sell it at these prices. <laughs> So that's the nice thing about private business, at least, is they can kind of control when they want to release yeah. those reserves. And I just want to warn people, be careful of projections because, again, oh, absolutely. It, it definitely changes as things go on because who knows if, or again, copper goes way up, uh, you could replace. And maybe, because I think a battery on an electric car now, I, th- I think I've heard as high as they can go 500 miles. Uh, what if they came out with some other type of metal that made it go a thousand miles because copper was not as conductive or something. And I, I know nothing about engineering. It takes an engineer, but again, I've seen things change over time. And this is a, as an investor, you have to realize that as things go up, things can change. There's always some innovation coming out. And, and now 10 years is quite, quite a long time. Uh, you also did mention a big factor too, was the env- environmental side, because that could really throw in like, Oh, uh, what was that? Somebody was trying to, dig something or do something they couldn't do it because of some little insect or something yeah. um that could happen all of a sudden on the mining oh no you can't do mining because of who knows what it's, it's just crazy uh and again an environment's important but also too sometimes i i believe it goes too far uh, to the craziness side so but um yeah so again things you kind of look at investment wise think before you you invest there uh, let's move on to something that we've talked about and kind of warned people about and that's the SPACs, which are special purpose acquisition companies. Uh, the party seems to be over, which is uh, evident by the popular ETF known as Defiance Next Gen SPAC derived ETF, symbol is SPAK. Uh, the fund holds about 230 SPACs and uh, SPAC merged companies. It's fallen 32% from its 52 week high. Yeah, I mean, it, it was also noted that about one quarter of these companies are trading at half of what they were at their peak. I mean, uh, in our opinion, this was just a, another great moneymaker for <clears throat> Wall Street, yet a loser for the average investor. And I think it, it's it's too bad because it, it it's all <laughs> exciting when they, they announce the merger. It's like, yep. oh, my gosh, we're going to get this electric car company. Wow, this is fantastic. <laughs> and all of a sudden, kind of reality sets back in. And it's like, oh, actually, they might not have sales for three years. There's a lot of hype that kind of gets sucked into this. And I think it's just, it's too bad at the end of the day. And also there's a lot of things with SPACs that are kind of hidden to benefit people at the top, which is kind of what we're saying, which is why we don't like them. Yeah, they got like, I think sometimes 20% of the proceeds. I mean, it was just yeah. craziness. And and again, once again, I, I've been doing this for over 40 years. I've seen time and time again, Wall Street comes out with these great things that they make tons of money off of. But yet the little guy, the little investor, it gets burned in the end, and it's just a shame. Well, it's funny. SPACs aren't new, but yeah. they're newly hot. Right. <laughs> they, 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 they've been around for a while, but, I mean, the amount of SPACs <clears throat> that have been produced lately, it, it's just insane. And I think it's because people saw the hype and momentum, so now all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, now let's do a SPAC. We yep. can get involved in this. This is awesome. <clears throat> and you see a lot of, I'm going to say, celebrities, and the SECs even come out and said, be careful of these celebrity-endorsed SPACs. And I think there's a lot of great celebrities out there. But they're celebrities. Right. Are they really knowledgeable when it comes to the business side of things? I'm going to say 90% of them know. Right. There's some that, that are yeah. smart business people that, you know, and actually some actors may have got a, a business degree at an XYZ college yeah. and so forth. So they do know things. They know business. They're not all 
you know. And again, they are on the artsy side. Yeah. Generally, your artsy people are, I think, left brain. And to be an investor, you're generally a right brain. So it just doesn't kind of mix very well sometimes. So, But it, it, it is a shame when they do that. Uh, but again, things come and go with, with Wall Street. And, and we, we've said here on the show, I mean, if you kind of listen to what we talk about, we're more about for the little guy making money, but we're not going to make you rich overnight. We talk about, you know, investing in, you know, good quality businesses and not going on with that hype. Gosh, we, we talked about Freeport McMoran, you know, kind of a, oh, I don't say it's a hype company, but up, yeah. what, 400%. But again, we're cautioning people to be careful. And you can do very well with investing, but if you get stuck into the, the craziness of Wall Street. And again, back in the 80s, they had something called limited partnerships. People... I think 80% of people lost money on it. Well, they came out with later, they didn't call them limited partnerships. They're now called alternative investments. I was going to say, it's also changed from different things as well. Where limited yeah. partnerships, you had tenants in common, you had yep. then also private REITs. So yep. You don't really hear private REITs anymore, but you're so right. All of these words, they've now just changed over to alternative. Yep. It's like, okay, well, we're not going to call it that anymore. We'll just say alternative. That sounds fancy. Right. It sounds much better. It doesn't track the stock market. It helps reduce your risk. It's yeah, it, 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 a lot it, of crap. It, 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 it really is. And the problem is, is that um, there's a whole new group of investors that come through that didn't that weren't around in the 80s yeah. that that didn't experience this. And when they their parents say, "Oh, I lost money in limited partnership," oh, that was different. Uh, but Wall Street's so good at recreating things and readdressing things. And unfortunately, people uh, we've seen people come in our office that have lost money on alternative investments. It's like I don't know why I did it. Uh, but it's just, it sounded so good. And the broker sold me on it. Uh, and if people would just, and, and that's why we do what we do. If they would just put together a good portfolio of good quality businesses and not worry about the, the up and down roller coaster, the emotional side, that's why we do the workshops. We talk about how to get away from the emotion. Um, and if you averaged eight, 10, maybe 12% per year on average, um, you do very well over a lifetime, but everybody wants to kind of get into that. Oh yeah. But this is where I can make a home run and, and I won't have to work anymore. <laughs> I can retire in five years. Huh? Right. <laughs> All righty. Let's open the phone lines. Uh, phone numbers here. 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And yes, that will get you through for your unbiased, no strings attached, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about. And I thought, and I, I believe I could be wrong on this, uh, that this gentleman called last week late in the show, maybe not. Uh, but no, it, he, just it, sent, he sent me an email during the show. Oh, during the show. Okay, I, I knew something I had with the show last week. But uh, Art uh, uh, sent an email saying, I, I can't call in today, but I'm listening. Uh, could you review Polaris, symbol P-I-I? I own it and have done well, but wondering if it's overpriced now. Uh, thanks, uh, Art. So let me pull in the, the, the symbol here. One thing with the emails is that it takes a little more time for us to get through it because usually as people call in, we have what the, um, what the symbol is, and, and now we've got to kind of answer on it. And then the other thing i got to do is i got to find my mouse here. So um, it kind of <laughs> well, disappears. I would, I would say the interesting thing on Polaris is I always thought it was a cool company. Like I, I don't think I would ever buy one of their products just because I, I'm not a big desert person, but I always thought they were interesting, and they have those little uh, kind of off-roading not cars. I don't know what to call them, but they're they're cool little gadgets. Oh, there's a name for them. Um, I'm, I'm like blanking a, on what it is. I want to say crawler or some something. Um, uh, they, yeah, there's some special name for them that, and I forget what it is. So, um, okay, what's going on with my? 
there it is. All right, so so let's talk about the Polaris Incorporated. Their symbol is PII. Uh, P ratio is expensive. It's a 32.2, but holds the whole industry at 33.7. Uh, we do see price of sales is one. That's half the industry, 2.1, so that's good. And did I mention, too, that Polaris also does back east snowmobiles? Uh, so it's not just the desert crawlers, yeah. whatever. Yeah, it's also snowmobiles. And then uh, price to tangible book value, not material versus 20.8 for the industry. Uh, price of cash flow looks okay, 15.1 versus 15.9. So I'm kind of surprised that the valuation ratios aren't too bad. You do get a 2% dividend. They use 58% of their earnings to pay that dividend out. We see year over year, their sales are looking okay, up 13.2%, but the industry was up 22%. Earnings per share for Polaris did fall by 7.4. The industry is up 152, so Polaris could be having some trouble there. Uh, Look at the balance sheet. Current ratio for Polaris is a 1.2. That's not quite as good as the industry at 1.8, but I'm okay with a current ratio of 1.2. What I do not like is the debt to equity is 135. And the whole industry is at 53. So um, that does kind of worry me uh, with that high debt to equity. We do see, however, return on equity is very good, though. 26 versus 23. Uh, net profit margin does check in at 3.5. That is below the industry at 6.3. And then uh, we see what turnover, 37.4. Very good compared to the industry at 13.4. And inventory turnover, 4.4. That's below the industry of five. So I'm not too excited about this yet. What do you have for the earnings going forward? Again, I just went to the website. They have a lot of cool stuff. I'm oh, Polaris? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you find what the name of that thing is? That they, well, they use? So it is an off-road vehicle, but they have like ATVs to begin with. Right. And they also have what they call the Razor. Razor, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, I mean, th- those are just kind of like little vehicles you drive off-road. Yeah. And they also have Indian Motorcycle. I didn't, I didn't know that. They, they, know they that own either. Indian Motorcycle. Because I, I, I hear that's a very high-end motorcycle. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't know enough about it right now, but I, yeah. I see Indian motorcycle, the slingshot. That's that car that's got like three wheels that you see. Yeah, I almost thought about buying one of those, but I thought I had probably kill myself in that thing because I get too excited. <laughs> yeah. they, it looks like they also have a couple other products as well. You mentioned the snowmobiles, boats. Oh, yeah. and then they also have commercial government and defense vehicles as well. So. They're a vehicle company. Yeah. Sounds like they are a, I'm going to say a toy company. Uh, <laughs> and I, I think, do they have electric vehicles coming out yet? That might be a thing to kind of look at. Yeah, I wonder. I, I'm sure they do. I, yeah. I'm speculating right. here, but and, and again, I think that's much easier to generate electricity for a smaller vehicle than a, a bigger vehicle. Yeah. Well, you're going to put the battery though. That's true. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a good thing. Do you have the earnings going forward for the company? Yes, I was just going to give that to you, but it looked like you wanted to say something. So I, I kind of did, but I thought I'll let you give the numbers first. Okay, time. okay. <laughs> well, to start here on Polaris, the uh, current price is $129. 52-week high, well, it's $147.73, and 52-week low is $81.38. If I go out to December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $10.16. would actually give us a target sell price of $168.00. And sixty six cents. And what was the price again? It was um, it was one twenty nine. So that's actually right at a thirty percent. I I uh, and what, what's the fifty two week high in the company? Is it close? One forty seven. You, you know, I I don't want to get people excited. Say, oh yeah, that's a great buy. But I I do like the the business. Um, I like they have a lot of different things going on. Um, you're not close to the fifty two week high. You you've got a thirty percent away from the target sell price. 
I think he Art said he was um, wondering if it's overpriced now. It's not overpriced. Definitely, a, definitely a hold. Uh, but I would be spending more time on the website to see what is going on with their R and how much do do they put in R and D? I would have to look at that. Yeah, we don't have that. Yeah. So, but <laughs> yeah, let me just remember that. <laughs> <laughs> We'd have to switch over to the uh, the income statement for that. Yeah. But but I mean, these are things if you're going to go into it, you want to understand how much of an R and D are they going to electrical crowd? How all these different things? Because I like the business. I'm not going to get really excited like, wow, it's a great buy, but it'd be a kind of a nice business to kind of hold. Um, and I do, I, I do believe we'll have a slowdown in 2023. Uh, people probably won't be buying as much recreational vehicles then, but there's a lot of money out there right now that people are just spending on things like this. Well, and also people, a lot of people got like RVs and campers and stuff. Well, a lot of people take those out of the desert. Well, yeah. Hey, I need to get a Polaris now and get that. So yep. when I go camping, it's going to be a good time. So. Yeah. yeah. And I, I remember I drove a razor out in Hawaii a couple of years ago and I had so much fun with that thing going through the back uh, hills of, uh, of Hawaii. And I, I was like doing all kinds of crazy things with that. And, uh, but they're fun vehicles. So, yeah. um, I would definitely rent one. I would never buy one, but, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, but yeah, so well, I hope that helps art art out. And again, if you're looking at buying that yourself, be, be, be sure to do your, your research. Alrighty. Phone numbers here. 866-577- Two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. Let's head out to San Diego and speak with Rose. Rose, you're on the Smart Investor with Brent and Chase. How can we help you? Hi, wondering uh, what you think about Penny Mac Mortgage Investment Trust. The symbol is PMT. And, and Rose, what's that name again? Penny Mac. Penny Mac. Hmm. Penny Mac Mortgage Investment Trust. Okay, and do you hold that or looking to buy it? I'm looking to buy it, and in fact, they hold my mortgage. So oh, okay. Very well, familiar with them. Yes, very familiar, <laughs> and you send them a check every month, so you probably know them pretty well. So, um, I'm not, let's see, Microsoft. Um, okay, Microsoft blocked something on me here, so I don't know why. Yeah, here, let's see, always allows. Let's see if it comes up now. Here we go, yeah, it's blocking something. Um all right, there it is, Penny Mac, and, and and I think what I'm kind of a stepped on Penny Mac kind of reminds me of Freddie Mac, and, mm. and that's what yeah. I was kind of like wondering yeah. where where did that come up from, you know? So they um, evidently do uh, package loans for Fannie and Freddie. Oh, there we go, um, Chase. I'm getting an internal error has occurred. Are you getting anything up on the company? Uh, yeah, I have it up. If you want me okay. to run through these numbers here? Yeah, go, go ahead. Uh, Brendan's going to come in and kind of play some magic here. on the Sometimes you got to go back and then come forward. Yeah. But anyways, let, yeah. let's take a look here at Penny Mac Mortgage Investment Trust. The current price to earnings multiple here, wow, 2.77. That compares to the industry average of 12.09. That's almost too low for me. I, I don't understand how a company can trade at 2.77 times earnings. Current price to sales, well, that's 1.3 versus industry average at 2.4. No price to book value at this time. And then also current price to cash flow, that's not material as well. Yeah, and I, I got it up here now. And one thing that may be very attractive to people is the dividend is 9.8%. They only use 25% of their earnings to pay it out. Now, I've seen these high dividends before. The payout ratio at 25% is very low, but it still worries me. How can they pay out that much of a dividend? using that small the earnings. You really got to look at the financial statements to understand how they're doing that, the cash flow statement, the income comes statement, because uh, it, it looks too good to be true, I'll put it that way. We do see sales are up 622% versus 2.4 for the industry. 
Earnings climbed by 250%. Uh, industry is only up 85. Again, great numbers there, but almost too phenomenal. You get kind of worried about uh, how how high they are. Uh, it's a mortgage company, no current ratio. Uh, debt to equity is a, a 409. That's double the industry at 210. You expect that with a uh, debt company. We do see return on equity is 38.7. That's above the industry at 20. Net profit margin is 49.9, double the industry at 20.4. And then receivable turnover is 14.4 versus 2.3. I mean, you got some phenomenal numbers here uh, mm-hmm. that look like, wow, but it's almost like mm-hmm. too good to be true. Well, what about the earnings going forward, Chase? Oh, let's start here. Current price again for Penny Mac Mortgage Investment Trust. Well, that's $19.25. Near its 52-week high of $20.59 and off its 52-week low of $10.20. And and one thing that, that's weird as well here, Rose, is it, it is a mortgage REIT is how it's classified. Well, to be frank, we've never bought a mortgage REIT. So I don't really fully understand the dynamics of the business because most of the time with REITs, we look at funds from operations. Well, this doesn't show any funds from operations. It doesn't. How come? So, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying <laughs> that because yeah. we never bought a mortgage REIT. Right. So that that's where I'm saying is most of the time with a REIT, it owns property. Well, mm-hmm. I don't think a mortgage owns company mortgages. owns property. They own the mortgages. Right. Correct. So it, it's it's a it's a unique business structure that that you'd have to spend a little bit more time understanding. And as I said, I. I, I don't know necessarily how to analyze this company. I'll give you the earnings. That, that's what I have right now. Yeah. But I go to December 2022. I see estimated earnings per share of $2.14. Would give you a target sell price of $35.52. So, I mean, that looks good. But I, I'm just very cautious on saying, yes, this is how I would analyze this company because I'm curious on how it's necessarily structured. Yeah, and this is a different REIT because, again, it's not going to have fund flow from operations because there's no depreciation. Yeah. So they actually hold the mortgages. Now, with that said, the problem is is that every time someone uh, like you, Rose, pays your mortgage, what you're doing is you're paying the interest, but you're also paying bar- back part of your principal. So they have to say, okay, what can we do with this principal every month from everybody to reinvest it? And sometimes, and I, and I saw actually in rising interest rates, mortgage companies, Ginny Mae companies and stuff had a very hard time. So... Mortgage companies, as rates go up, I think it's going to be perhaps a difficult situation for them. So you got to understand the business more and really look at the financial statements because these numbers, I, I will say these numbers look like it makes sense to kind of look at it, yeah. but you really got to do some homework to figure it out and also what's going to happen in the future when mortgage you know, refinancing probably screeches to a halt and home buying slows down. How, how are the company going to do that? And I will say, I mean, if it does work out where even the price appreciation is not there, but it's a safe investment, you're comfortable with it. Again, you have to be comfortable with this. Yeah, yeah. You can see the price can be quite volatile, but if historically it's quite stable, I mean, you get a 9.77% yield. I mean, that, that's a pretty darn good return. But also can that yield adjust if the interest changes and, and what's the potential impact of that dividend? Is it stable or could it change? Yeah, and, and I, I think it's worth looking at because there could be something here. Um, but, but the other thing, too, that mortgage companies do is they always sell their mortgages. Yep. So are they buying them? they they selling them? Uh, I, I think, again, it's worth the looking into it because there could be some potential. But you've got to be very careful. And I know, Jace, if you and I looked at this, it'd be probably – it'd take us weeks before we said, okay, yes, we're fine on this, not just a quick analysis. But I, I kind of think it's worth the analysis. I'm, I might talk to you on Monday about this. Like maybe we should look at it. I don't yeah. know. So – 
Does that help, Rose, or just confuse you more? It does. No, Good. it helps a lot. And I have just one more question. Sure. Do you know why they term this as a trust and not a REIT? I mean, it, it uh, from the description, it sounds like a REIT. I know that uh, originally I took out my mortgage with Wells Fargo. They sold it to PennyMac, so PennyMac is servicing my mortgage. That's where I send the payments, but they didn't originate the mortgage. So um, I know that they have a servicing arm, obviously, um, and that's my experience with them. And looking at their 10-year chart, it looks pretty pretty stable, I mean, mm -hmm. except for March of 2020. <laughs> that was difficult for everybody, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And, and I'd, say, I'd say, Rose, that the reason it, it is a trust is all a REIT is, it's a real estate investment trust, so the, the trust is what owns the real estate right in this case huh. it's still a trust but it's a mortgages. investment trust that owns mortgages right right but it just functions as a REIT and uh, they just didn't add the REIT word is what you're saying it's well, and, and sometimes too like a we own a, a REIT in our portfolio it doesn't always say REIT on it it okay. does say like gotcha. uh, XYZ trust yeah. is a lot of times yeah. how it'll be termed okay yeah okay okay Rose Thanks very much. You're Appreciate welcome. It. You have a good weekend. You Bye. too. Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. I guess we're going out to Arizona and speak with our CFP, Harrison. Uh, he's in Arizona. Harrison, good morning. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, guys. Doing well. Calling you from Sedona, Arizona today. Oh, that's a nice, relaxing place there. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. The wind is uh, is kind of high. Um, yesterday was really windy here, but the weather is really nice. Um, Sedona is a nice, uh, nice little town. And and you know about the talking rocks there, don't you? <laughs> you got to watch out for those. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Maybe they'll give you a, a financial planning tip. I don't know, <laughs> or or give you a tip on uh, credit cards because I know that's what you're talking about. Uh, credit cards today. What's, what's going on? Credit cards. Yeah. So a lot of people don't um, really link credit cards with financial planning per se, but I love credit cards. I know you guys like using them too. Um, really, if you have the right credit cards and you use them correctly, you can make a few thousand dollars a year um, in, in cash back and in points and that kind of thing. And the IRS doesn't view it as taxable income, so it's all tax-free. Um, you just have to make sure you pay that statement balance every month, and it's a great little... Uh-oh. Uh-oh. You lose them? He, he got taken over by a rock, I think. <laughs> Talking rock, <laughs> one of your butt in there. Uh, Harrison, you there? Oh, shoot, we, we lost him. Uh, Brendan, is he? Yeah, so, uh, and one thing, you know, I'll kind of continue on until hopefully he can come back in. Maybe yeah. he's too high up on the mountains there, um, is that it is important to have those credit cards. And I do worry, uh, and again, when he first said, oh, we love credit cards. We love credit cards. We hate credit card debt. Make sure you don't confuse the two. Um, but the other thing too, I really worry. I hope the IRS isn't listening. But this has been a benefit for a long time, and oh, yeah. and and I pay my tax own. free. Tax free. I know it. It's, it's just a, a, amazing, and I use it to pay my my advertising and stuff. So it works out very well. I'm just waiting because they've they've closed on everything else. When are they going to close this? Because it, it really is a, a a nice benefit for people. So, um, but um, yeah, I don't think uh, he's coming back. He might be. Uh, Gosh, I hope he didn't fall off a rock or something. <laughs> you know, so. I think he's probably in a hotel room or something. Yeah, I think that's he's probably, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just noticed you had a – I already talked about the San Diego shirt. You got a San Diego uh, hat 
uh, Padre hat on as well. You're you're really going the, the baseball thing today. Yeah, well, I was looking for a good hat, and I found this one, and it's comfy. So uh, I like to wear hats on the yep. weekend. Yeah. So, well, I, I think Harrison will probably try to call back and finish his thing. So, uh, with that said, let's go back to the phones. Uh, phone numbers here: eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Tim. Tim, you're on the smartest. Brent Chase, how can we help you? Perfect. Padres are on a bull run. Keep wearing that cap. <laughs> Keep wearing it. <laughs> so I was wondering if you guys could look at Credit Suisse, the symbol CS. It got a little beat up with the Archelago or Arpelago scheme. And I was wondering if maybe moving forward, since they're pretty big, they probably won't go under if it would be a good buy. You know, I see Credit Suisse uh, Group AG in Switzerland. For some reason, I, th- I thought they were in Germany, but I, I, I guess not. Uh, you saying the same thing, Chase? No, I was texting Harrison here. So. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> okay yeah. But oh. yeah, they, they are out of Switzerland because I like to say it's my Swiss you know, bank account offshore. <laughs> oh, there we go. Uh, and you realize the IRS could be listening here, right? <laughs> yes, especially after you guys gave away that great credit card advice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a look at Credit Suisse uh, Group AG. Symbol is CS. Uh, it is an outside company, so I don't have the industry compared to. Uh, I do see a P.E. ratio of 22.2. That looks okay. Uh, price of sales, one is good. Price to tangible book value, very good, 0.6. And price to cash flow, 9.7. So the valuation ratios do look very good uh, based on what we're looking at here. Uh, we do see the dividend yield is only 1.1. They use 32% of their earnings to pay that out. Uh, no surprise, they're a financial company. Uh, sales year over year are down 36%. Earnings fell by 72%, but you now have a very low base to build on. So going forward, you should see some nice gains in the sales and earnings. Uh, the balance sheet, again, financial company, no current ratio. Uh, debt to equity, 616. So that is uh, it is high, though, I must say, for a um, uh, financial company. I mean, Bank of America is at 172, so that does sound pretty high, the 616. And you do want to be careful, financial companies being too over-leveraged. They really got burned on that years ago, uh, back... Uh, what, 12, 13 years ago. Uh, return on equity is very low, 2.4. Uh, we do see net profit margin is only 4.7 and no receivable, no inventory turnover. Chase, do you have the uh, do you have the numbers going forward? Yeah, so current price here for Credit Suisse, well, it's $10.69. 52-week high is $14.95, and that low is $8.18. So I, I will say it is interesting comparing that to the current situation for U.S. banks, which are doing phenomenally close to their 52-week highs. Again, if you look at like a J.P. Morgan, Bank of America. So I'm I'm curious why Credit Suisse has kind of seen that. I guess you did bring up the issues they've had. So that's probably it. If they can overcome those issues, it it could be an interesting investment because if I go out to December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $1.56. What do you give us a target sale price of $25.90? So the numbers look good there. All right. <clears throat> Just got to do more research on the story and, and make sure it's good. And I will say, Tim, I think, as you know, we don't like to go overseas many mm-hmm. times. We like the domestics. And I'll tell you, the U.S. banks here, I was reading uh, about a couple of them, they are going to have kind of that Fed review, I think, released either in June or July, where they'll find out more information about their dividends and stock buybacks. And I think a lot of the caps are going to be lifted here on the U.S. companies which could see big dividend gains. I think Credit Suisse, since they're having some issues, might still have some limitations. And the other thing, too, that uh, 
I would rather have you stay here in the U.S., Tim, because I don't know about you, but I don't know the banking regulations that they have in Switzerland. Um, you know, I, there's just, I don't, I always feel uncomfortable going overseas, uh, because I know things are different, maybe good, maybe bad. And also too, you got the currency fluctuation. And, and if it was like something real phenomenal that their banks are doing phenomenal, ours weren't maybe fine, but there's still, I think a, a, some good banks here in the U S you can buy, I had to be a little bit patient, but I, I'd rather see a switch from a credit Suisse, even, even though I know you feel good about that Swiss bank account um, to, to, to come back to the U.S. And, and buy one of our financial banks. And I'm curious, too, on the loopholes is I know years ago it was quite popular to get a Swiss bank account. Yeah. Is it still the same allure? You know, the IRS isn't stupid. Right. <laughs> they, they, yeah. they can find money now. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know if it has that same type of allure. Maybe. I, I just don't know the full story there. Yeah. So, so Tim, we, I, I, I'll put it this way. I wouldn't buy it. Um, and you said you hold it. Is that correct? Did we lose Tim? We lost Tim too. We're losing everybody. Oh gosh. <laughs> um, I guess he was on a cell phone too. So. Yeah. Well, well, Tim, I hope that helped. What's that? The phones are cutting in and out. So oh. tell Harrison to stay on the phone, and you guys eventually come back, and then you fade out. So we're cutting out. Uh oh. Yeah, uh -oh. Like on the line, I'm not hearing the normal radio feed that I do when I'm on hold. Wow. So. So we're on landline, so I don't know what's going on with that. <laughs> but okay, so so uh, now I forgot my question. Uh, did you hear everything we were talking about, or no, Tim? Did we lose him again? <laughs> All right. Well, we'll we'll we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, let, we'll just say hopefully that helps. Yeah, and, that helps. And, um, and we'll go from there. We'll go yeah. from there. Yeah. So, gosh, I I don't think we ever had this problem before on where, where we have trouble with our phone. No, so. I know it's interesting. Well, I I hear that Harrison is back, so let's see if we go back to Harrison and see if that works. Harrison, you're back yeah, with us. I I'm back. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we, we can hear you. We're blaming you, but it could be our technology here in the studio. So uh, we apologize well, yeah, I for that. Thinking, I have full bars, so I didn't know what happened. And I didn't know I got disconnected. So here I am just talking away to myself. I thought you guys were just being quiet. So I'm rambling on. <laughs> now you got to say it all over again. Yeah, I guess to let you know, Harrison, we left off just talking about uh, kind of expanding on the tax-free side of yeah. it. We talked about, obviously, we don't like credit card debt. We like credit cards. So... Uh, we'll shift it back to you with uh, some of your inside tips there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, as I was saying, I, I like credit cards. I know you guys do like too, as you mentioned. Um, the IRS views the points as a discount or a refund, so it, it's not taxable. You just have to make sure you pay your statement balance every month. Um, I'm a fan of the cash back credit cards as opposed to the travel credit cards. To me, a lot of the travel cards seem to have higher annual fees and uh, – the the rewards aren't as good they they seem to just have like really large startup bonuses and then going forward the war, rewards aren't as good um can you guys still hear me am i still yep. on yeah you're good, good. <laughs> okay. you don't um, keep talking when nobody's listening right <laughs> you're good so uh the reason though i wanted to talk about credit cards today is within the last i'll say 18 months a lot has changed as far as credit card goes last year credit card companies were a little bit leery about issuing credit cards, increasing credit limits, issuing credit um, because of the pandemic. They were worried that a lot of people were just going to try and, and um, get credit cards, max them out, and then not be able to pay them back. So they were worried about uh, what the, the credit uh, risk would be for, for issuing all this debt. So they were really nervous about doing that. And it was hard to get new credit cards and, and hard to increase your balances. Um, now, 
through the stimulus packages, through the fact that people have been saving more and been nervous about COVID, less people have been going out to eat, um, less people have been traveling, um, a lot of people have been paying off their credit card balances. And so now credit card companies are like, oh, shoot, um, we have all these credit cards, but now less balances means less interest, which means we're making less money right now. So credit card companies have really relaxed um, their requirements for issuing new credit cards and, and balances and that kind of thing. So right now is really a good time to uh, look at a new credit card. Interesting. And I, I will say one thing that I, I guess I'm kind of counterintuitive. People, oh, I always look at the interest rate, the APR. I mean, to me, I always look at it saying, well, okay, if it's 20% or 25%, that's still a terrible interest rate. The APR is the last thing I look at when yeah. I look at credit cards. No. Yeah, <laughs> you're exactly right. To me, the APR is, is really irrelevant because um, you don't want to be paying interest regardless of how much it is because every credit card has an extremely high interest rate. Unless, you know, some cards have a... Um, like a, a 18 month or 24 month introductory period where it's no interest. Um, and that's kind of cool. Um, but you know, you don't want to just be not paying it because there's no interest. You want to have a plan to pay it off so that when the interest rate does start up, then, then you're able to pay it off completely. Cause yeah, you don't want to be paying, um, interest to your credit cards. Yeah. And, and you know, you said this is kind of different for a financial planner to kind of look at credit cards and so forth. But again, you, you look at the whole financial plan. You're not just trying to get someone in your office and sell them an annuity or a life insurance policy or mutual funds or something. You're looking at their whole financial plan, trying to come up with other ideas for them. And again, it, it's so nice to, to get that bonus at, uh, and I, I, I know one card I have, they do it once a year, I get a nice bonus. The other card, they let me do it every month if I want to. So, but it's just mm -hmm. kind of a nice cash flow thing that people can get for free where I don't think other financial planners even think about that because they're more worried about selling them a product. I was going to yeah. say, I hate to put yeah. you on the spot here, Harrison, but, uh, you know, I know we have a few favorites because we talk about it quite frequently, but uh, <laughs> what person should add one credit card to their wallet right now looking for a new one? What, which one do you recommend? So one that I like, uh, the most recent one I got, I know you have it too, Chase, um, U.S. Bank came out with a credit card. It's called the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Card. Right now it has a $200 bonus if you spend $1,000 within three months which is pretty doable, um, but it has no annual fee. So that's always good. I like that because I have a couple cards and I don't want to be paying lots of fees on all of them. Um, but the reason I like it is it's 4% 4 cash back on dining and food delivery services. Mm. So um, that's where a lot of my money goes. I don't spend that much, but that's food is pretty much where it goes. So, um, <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a good benefit for me. Also has 2% um, cash back on grocery and streaming services and gas. Um, and it'll give you a $15 a year credit toward a streaming service like Netflix or Hulu or Spotify. I use it for Spotify. Um, so it, it's definitely a good card to look at. It's relatively new. I think it came out last year. Um, but that I would say is the one that I use the most. And I think a, a lot of people would find a lot of value for it because from what I see, it's the only card with no annual fee that gives you 4% cash back, um, toward dining. Yeah. And, and, you know, so important. And, and then we'll let you go. Cause I know you're, you're, you're in Arizona there, but, um, so important to really look at what your spending habits are, because I thought you were going to say, Oh, capital one, cause capital one does pay what one and a half percent back, 2% 2 back uh, on everything. So for someone like me, that works out very well. Oh, I'm sorry. That's the city double cash pays 2%. Oh, okay. City double cash. That's yeah. also a good one. I have that one yeah. as well. And that I think is a great card for everybody because um, regardless of what you spend it on, you're getting 2%. So I like using 
If I go to a restaurant, use the U.S. Bank one. If I'm buying some random thing, then use the Citibank. So that way you're always, you know, getting the most most uh, points as possible. Yeah, but I mean, you really got to look at what your spending is, where you're going to spend the most money. Because again, a lot of my money is spent on advertising. The the entertainment one wouldn't help me out because uh, I would get the lower one. So very important for people to kind of look at, okay, what what's my spending habits? And what credit card? Maybe you have to have two. I don't think I'd go much above three because it get too confusing. I think at one time, Chase, you had like five, didn't you, or some crazy number? Oh, I still have five. Oh, you still have five? Because <laughs> I, I have two 5% rotating category credit cards. And what I do is I put the 5% rotating categories on my phone so I know where to, to, to use them. <laughs> so I, I go a little bit over the top here. I'm not saying I recommend that strategy for everyone, but, um, but yeah. definitely but, there's a way to optimize your, your cash back. But you know, I just think if you do that, I mean – and you figure out how much time it takes you to do it, you can be making $50, $100 an hour by doing that over a year's time frame. I mean, once you got it set up good, so maybe you should do a workshop on how to manage your credit cards and maximize them. <laughs> <laughs> well, Harrison, thank you very much for, for calling in. I appreciate it. And we'll, we'll see you. We'll see you Monday morning. Yes. yes okay. I'll be there on Monday. <laughs> okay. All right. Have a good weekend. Bye bye. Thanks. I'll see you Monday. All right. That again is uh, Harrison Johnson. He's our financial planner. <clears throat> Again, he's not just going to tell you know tell you oh we need to buy a life insurance annuities. Uh, he is on a salary. Uh, it's a, a fee that we charge for the financial planning. First consultation is free, but all the different things he talks about really does help out your whole financial uh, plan. Is what it actually does. So call the office eight five eight five four six four three zero six. That's eight five eight five four six four three zero six. As for Harrison. Or go to the website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. You can talk to Harrison. And by the way, you do not have to be an investment client to be a financial planning client. They are two separate services. So don't think that because you're not investing with us, you can't use or talk to Harrison. You can actually do that. I was going to say, too, I mean, it just kind of shows a lot of people, oh, I have a financial planner. A lot of people don't do what Harrison does. I mean, I don't know many financial planners that talk more about the credit card situation right i mean <clears throat> most financial planners don't even that's not even a relevant topic but i mean gosh if you actually are using the right credit cards you can pay for the financial planning fee when <laughs> the, the, the change of credit cards is essentially covered i mean it's it's uh you know something that he does a great job of is diving down deep into right. each and everyone's true financial situation right. and i don't want to overwhelm harrison i don't know if i can even do it but i was you know almost saying well look if you come in and you compare Harrison to your financial planner, we'll give you like a $50 gift certificate to, you know, the winery restaurant or something. Because I, I, I don't think we've had anybody that's come into the office. He's been with us, what, for five years now that has said, oh, my financial planner is far better. You know, uh, now there's how some people said that because they just talked to him for like two minutes. But when they spend the time to really sit down and understand the whole philosophy, like, wow. And we've had people that said, oh, I don't, I don't need a financial planner. Then they talk to him. Oh, wow. I didn't know that was. Yeah. yeah I'm I, glad I, I talked to him. Yeah, I'm glad I talked to him. And I, and I signed up with him. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, give, give him a call at the office, 858-546-4306. It is a free consultation to understand more what he does. All right. Phone number's here, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And I thought we'd go to Facebook. I see Robert on Facebook. Do, now, do you have your Facebook up? To, I do have it up. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I see MPW is what I want to talk about. Is there, there more information uh, than that there, Chase? Uh, yeah, just real quick. He says, uh, morning, guys. If you could get a moment to look at MPW, please. I've held it since Q1 2019, and his Roth 
It was growing uh, pre-COVID, but has been stale since then. Pays a good dividend that is I see as being real safe, being patient and holding, but have always thought about just holding forever since I'm getting a little over 6% return from just the dividend on initial investment. They're expanding their business in Europe and in behavioral health. Also, I have trouble finding the FFO, the analyst report. I see in the earnings, but seems like analysts leave it out of their reports. Any help where to find the FFO for future analysis? Thanks, guys. All right, well, let's go to the numbers, and I'll like you, let you take care of the FFO here. Coming again is a Medical Property Trust Incorporated, symbol is MPW. Uh, PE ratio 22.5 versus not material for the industry. Uh, price of sales checks in at 9.4. That is well above the industry at 3.4. Price to book value is 1.5 below the industry at 1.8. And price of cash flow is 15.6. That is also below the industry at 17.9. Now, they do pay a 5.3% dividend. That's based on the current price. Uh, Robert probably paid a lower price. That's why his yield is higher at 6%. Uh, they do use 117% of their earnings to pay that out. But again, remember, this is a REIT. So it's a little bit different as far as the numbers go. We do see sales are up 36.2% year over year. Industry down 208 our earnings per share climbed by 14.4. Industry fell 230%. Debt to equity, 123. The uh, industry's at 260. And we see return equity is 6.8 versus a negative 3. Net profit margin is very good, 39 versus uh, 6.1. And then uh, receivable turnover, 2.9 versus 4.7. What do you got for the earnings, Chase? Yeah, so current price here for MPWS, $21 a share. 52-week high is $22.82, and 52-week low, well, that's $16.10. Now, this is what was, Robert was asking about is the FFO, funds from operations, because that's how we want to analyze the REITs. They function a little bit different than your traditional companies. But if I got to December 2022, I see estimated FFO of $1.85 would give us a target sell price of $30.71. So I, I like this company. I mean, it's still, I think, very well-valued. As Robert said, he gets a nice dividend with it. I will say the taxable situation is a little bit different with yep. REITs. Yep. But the nice thing is it's in a Roth form. Yep. So the tax impact is real no different. You, you get a, a nice yield. Um, and the other thing, too, is they could increase that yield, which yep. would increase his uh, yield on this initial cost basis. I, I think it's a good one. I'd be patient with it. And, and I like this this in somebody's portfolio because, again, it's a medical. Uh, we, we know medical is not going to go away. Uh, they actually hold, uh, own what the hospitals, surgical centers. So it's a, it's an ongoing business. You're not going to make a big 20, 30, 40% return on this, but you have a nice steady, uh, increase. And we'll, we'll say it could average maybe a 10%, uh, maybe a little bit more. You get that five, 6% dividend plus you get a, a two, 4% appreciation. You're going to do very well with this. Now it's possible someday it could go way up. Well, maybe you have to sell it, but I, I like this company. It's not. If you talk about it at a party, uh, you're not going to be the hit of the party, but you're going to be very stable with it. We like the company. Yeah, so, no, yeah. I, I think it's a good investment. I'd, I'd stay patient with it, Robert. As Brent says, it's not going to be super sexy and jump up 100% this year or anything like that, but, you know, it, it's a safe one. Yep. All right, we're going to take a quick break before we do the second hour, so stay with us. You are listening to Smart Investing Show. Phone number is 866-577-2473. We'll be right back after this quick break.
Alrighty, welcome back to the second half of the Smart Investing Show. I like that upbeat music. Brendan, thank you very much. We like that. Uh, phone number's here, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. I feel like I'm missing something, Chase, but I'm not promoting the workshop because I was last week, but we will have another one June 24th, uh, which will be a Thursday at Ale Smith Brewery, so stay tuned for that. Uh, I do want to mention a lot of times when we're going out someplace, we'll kind of mention that I will be. I try to get you there, but you said you've been too busy, so you're going to take I need a, a day off. I, <laughs> I got to do Costco. I got to go to Bonds. I, I got to do my my life stuff, I guess. Yeah, you've been real busy this week with the, 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 the football banquets and the workshop and everything else, but uh, on Sunday, uh, May 23rd, this Sunday, uh, from 9 to 2, I'll be at a diecast show. Uh, the address there, and when I'll be there, is I'll have my uh, Aventador, the Lamborghini Aventador. I'm going to be out there, so it'll be great to see people and talk to people as well. But, I, I mean, this is just amazing. These are collective items, these die-cast things. You know, I talked to my friend Nino, who is from C4K, who I've been a part of for many, many years. Um, some of these things go for hundreds and thousands of dollars, so it's going to be a great event. Uh, great things there. You'll have uh, my Aventador, my Lamborghini Aventador will be there. I'll be there. Other, you know, some other cars will be there. But uh, come on out. It's from 9 to 2. I, I won't get there at 9 because I got my KOSI segment, so I'll probably be there a little bit later. But come on out. Check things out. And uh, love to see you. And if you are out there, come up and say hello. And always like talking to our listeners. So that is, uh, again, Sunday, May 23rd from C4K, which is Cruise for Kids, Diecast Show. Uh, they do have a website. Uh, go to C4K Diecast show.com and you can see more about it there so hope to see you there be a fun fun sunday afternoon or yeah. morning and afternoon yeah. so <laughs> are you gonna miss it you're gonna be busy doing your stuff trying to catch up but i feel uh, like I, I don't know if you remember the movie old school um it's with will ferrell and uh, oh yeah gosh vince vaughn and a couple other yeah. guys there as well but at one part will ferrell goes he's like well you want to go to home depot bed bath and beyond i just don't know if i'll have time <laughs> That's what I got to do tomorrow. I got to do all the chores. Got to do the chores tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been pretty relaxed lately, so I don't have to do that. So, uh, okay. Phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go out to Coronado and speak with John. John, you're on the Smart Vegetable Brand Chase. How can we help you? Uh-oh. Okay, I guess we'll let people know that we seem to be having trouble, I believe, with AT&T phones and Verizon phones. Yeah. If you're on T-Mobile, we're told it's okay, or a landline is okay as well. But Landline? Yeah. What's a landline? Yeah. What is a landline? How many people are using a landline to call us? Probably not very many. So but, but uh, so we apologize for that. But what we can do... Are we up? Uh, John, you there? Yeah, yeah. I, I was just talking uh, to the call screener there. You're, uh, the, the signal keeps cutting in and out. So he said he talked to the tech guy. Um, but anyway, I was calling in about Mohawk Industries. Okay, and do you hold that or looking to buy that? And I've held it for about three years. Okay, had, I... a good, had a good run on it, and wondering if it's uh, still got legs. All right, well let's take it. And if we lose you, John, we'll just keep talking about it. So uh, don't sure. don't worry if you lose us there. But coming again, uh, okay. is Mohawk Industries symbols MHK. Uh, a decent start here. PE ratio twenty three. I say decent because the PE for the industry is not material. Price of sales, 1.5 versus 0.8. Price to book value, 2.9. That's about double the industry at 1.47. Price of cash was 11.5. That is just slightly above the industry at 9.7. Now, Mohawk Industries, and they're a carpet company, by the way, they do not pay a dividend. Their sales year over year are up 1.2. Now, that sounds terrible, but the industry was down 14.2. 
However, the earnings per share from Mohawk did fall by 11.4 when the industry was up 40%. The balance sheet looks very good. You got a current ratio of 1.9 versus 2.9. Uh, debt to equity is 31. That is above the industry of 14.4, but still a debt to equity of 31 is still uh, very attractive. Return to equity is 7.9. The industry checks in at a negative 6.4. Net profit margin for Mohawk Industries, 6.5. The industry is a negative 3.6. And then receivable turnover is 6.3 versus 6.9, and inventory turnover 3.5, not quite as good as the industry of 4.3. Chase, what do you got for the earnings going forward? Yeah, so current price here for Mohawk Industries, well, that's $207.21. It uh, has fallen off a little bit from the 52-week high of $231.80, but wow, still well off the 52-week low of $67.79. Now, if I go out to December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $14.62. What gives the target sell price of $242.69? So it's still in our, our hold category. I don't think I would buy any more at this point, John, but it, I know you said you hold it. I'd continue to hold it. I, I think it's an interesting, interesting company here. Yeah, and, and John, one thing that we look at with a company like this, that's a carpet company. I mean, we know that the remodel and the rebuild is going on a lot for the residential companies. One thing that mm -hmm. we think could kind of change is that's going to slow down, but we do believe that people are going to start coming back to the office. So maybe now you'll see the commercial side maybe carry on where they're going to lose on the residential side. So that's one thing I'm going to watch very closely. And one thing I was reading mm -hmm. too is a lot of these companies kind of put some of their spending on, on hold last year to mm -hmm. you know remodel offices and kind of change some things up. So you could see those budgets come back into play and there could be a little bit of a overflow of demand in that from the, yeah. the commercial side is there it was put on hold last year yeah and maybe you want to get people back in the office because i do still believe you're much more efficient in the office overall and you want to have a nice place where people come back to like oh yeah it's remodeled oh they get all excited about coming back in so yeah. it's not just carpet they do flooring as yeah well. floor yeah 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 and i said carpet but you're yeah. a tile uh wood yeah. lvt uh, and they do have i think i read sometime a while ago they have some type of wood uh, that actually is waterproof somehow. Uh, it's just a phenomenal company. I, I think it's the second, maybe the third largest well, I know flooring they company. Compete with uh, Warren Buffett and Shaw. Shaw, Shaw Industries. Yeah, but yeah, John, we, we like as a hold. I, if anybody's looking at it, I wouldn't buy this point, but I wouldn't sell it. I think it's a, a good company. Watch what happens with the change from residential to commercial. Already, we'll do, guys. Thanks again. Okay, John. Thanks for calling. Have a good one. Bye bye. All right, that does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And by the way, I looked at the screen. All lines are open. Again, 866-577-2473. All right, let's go back to Facebook because uh, we had Jason had a question. Uh, Chase, do you have more information on the question from Jason? Uh, he just said, kind of speaking about copper, um, what's our thoughts on Freeport Mac Moran? So we, we talked a little bit about them briefly, but uh, could be a good opportunity to look a little bit closer at the numbers for. I mean, yeah. we had a good discussion. Obviously, everything comes back to the fundamentals for us. So yep. ticker symbol there for Freeport is FCX. Yep. So yeah, let's take a, a deeper dive into Freeport Mac Moran. Uh, we do see PE ratio thirty three point four versus six thousand four hundred and eighty one. And as I get down, I read what industry they're in. Uh, because that's a huge P ratio for the industry. Uh, price of sales, 3.7 versus 10.3. Uh, 
Uh, price to book value 5.5 versus 3.8. And then price of cash hold, that's 15.1. That's well below the industry at 46. So even with a big increase in the price, valuation ratios aren't looking too bad. Now they do pay a 0.7% dividend using 6% of their earnings to pay that out. Sales are up 21% year over year, better than the industry at 16. We do see earnings per share climb by 331% over the last 12 months, year over year. That's about three times the industry growth of 101%. The balance sheet looks okay. Current ratio 2.4 versus 8 for the industry. And I think that's too high of a current ratio for the industry. I'm not sure why it's that high. Uh, debt to equity is 89.8. That is double the industry at 46, but I'm okay with that debt to equity at 80, 89 there. Return on equity is 18.3, well above the industry at 0.7. Net profit margin for Freeport MacMoran, very good, 14.5 versus 0.16. And then receivable turnover is 18.6 versus 21. And then inventory turnover 2.9 versus 4.5. Chase, what about the earnings going forward? Well, I did want to kind of speculate on that current ratio real quick. You said it was quite high. I, I do wonder how they hold the copper. You know, it, it, inventory is a part of the current ratio. Right. So if some of that copper is held as inventory that they don't want to sell just yet, that could elevate the current ratio and make it look overwhelming. And it, and it wasn't a Freeport MacMoran. It was the industry. Yeah. So Oh, and I said I was going to check the industry to, to make sure what the industry is. It is in the industry, and this is what I thought. Uh, specialty mining and metal. So it's not just copper industry. It could be, you know, gold, could be silver, could be all kinds of commodities. So, so, but yeah, it, it could be a possible. I understand the accounting of it. I know when we held a home builder, they actually kind of deviated from other home builders in terms of how they recognize certain expenses. Some of them looked at it as capital expenditures. Other of them looked at it as an operating cost. So right. maybe some of them hold more in, you know, uh, inventory rather than an asset, a longer term asset. So, eh. Yeah. Something to consider because, yeah, that, sure. that's a super high current ratio. You said eight. Eight. That, yeah. that just doesn't make sense. So <laughs> trying to speculate a little bit there. But let, let's look at further the numbers here for Freeport MacMoran. Current price is $40.87. Well, 52-week high here is $46.10. And the 52-week low, $8.60. So as this copper hype has kind of played out, the stock for Freeport obviously has gone with it. Uh, surging, I think, over 350% is what we said. But as we look forward to December 2022, I see estimated earnings per share of $3.49. That would give us a target sell price of $57.93. And, and while that looks enticing, here's where I, I'm a little bit cautious on it. What was the target sell price again? $57.93. While it looks enticing, as I said, a little cautious, not just because of the large run-up, but, I mean, gosh, you look at the analyst spread here in terms mm-hmm. of the high $6.22, and the low was $2.03. So, I mean, if it does come in at $2.03, well, that current price is already above that target sell price. Yeah. So I, a little bit skeptical of it. I, I think there's some interest there, as we said earlier in the show, but I wouldn't be a buyer of it at 40 I'd, I'd have to see a, a little pullback in it to, to get us, I'd say, more interested. Yeah, and it's down about 15% from the 52-week high. And and I, I did look out a little bit beyond that because I see 2023, the earnings fell to 258. <clears throat> now, you may have a, less analysts on that. I didn't go that deep into yeah. it. But you don't want to be the guy that gets so excited and, and pays us price for it because, oh, the earnings are doing this. And then <clears throat> next year, oh, they go down and stock goes down. So you want to be really careful with this. I, I really think it's worth looking into because all the things we said earlier in the show – about the demand issue, the supply issue, uh, electric cars using more. 
Um, and, and, and actually, too, I mean, there's just, you know, the home building. Uh, there's, uh, copper is such a used commodity. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's, that's why I think it's worth the look. Uh, it could appear in our portfolio someday down the road, but I just wouldn't do it today. Yep. So, all right. Oh, that was from Jason. So there's nobody to talk to. <laughs> I, I thought, did we lose another caller? All right. Phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Mick. Mick, you're on the Smart Vegetable Brent Chase. How can we help you? How you doing, guys? Good. How you doing? I'm, I'm doing well, thank you. I, I wanted to discuss uh, just one little aspect of that cash back feature on the, you know, the tax-free cash back feature on credit cards. You're not with the IRS, yeah. are you? <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, and stop me. I had to step away from the, the radio to bring the groceries in. So if you already talked about this, sure. stop me. <laughs> okay. But uh, you know, one of the things you got to be careful of is if you're running a business and you're taking making business purchases on a cashback credit card. It's kind of hard not to these days. So many cards offer the, mm -hmm. the cashback feature. And you're taking that 2% cash back, and yet you're deducting the full amount of the rear purchase. The IRS would probably frown upon something like that. I don't think that would be a tax. I don't think they would ignore something like that, even though it's only 2%. You know, if you make a lot of business purchases, it could add up to quite a bit of money. You know, and you could be right, but I don't know how they would find it yet. So that could be something they could change because right now when you do business expenses, they don't, that I know of, I'm not a tax person, but that I know of my, my tax guy never asked, well, how'd you do these purchases? We just do them. So well, they'd, find, they'd find it on an audit. If they didn't audit, they would look at everything and, and they might see the credit card you're using. And so what I, what I do with my business is I just, whenever I make a business purchase that I'm going to deduct, I just take it at 98%, take the 2% off. And, uh, you know, just in case anybody asks any questions, you could say, hey, you know, I'm doing this legitimately. So yeah. you're right. It would, be, it would be hard to find. It's pretty picky, but it's one of those things that I think, uh, you know, people might want to be aware of. Yeah. I mean, it's a good point to think about and uh, maybe ask your tax person about it as well, because, uh, I mean, the IRS, they want to find every nickel that you that they can get from you. <laughs> so you're right. They might be doing no, that. That's so. right. And then when they find one thing, that can open up a door, you know, to other things. So that they're looking for, even if you have nothing to hide, you're going to spend a lot of money protecting yourself on an audit, you know, hiring somebody to come in for something. And, uh, you know, you, you want to be as brief as possible. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, and, and, and that's true. Or, or you might just say, oops, I didn't know, and just pay it and not try to fight it because, you know, so, but. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, right. If they if they just do a paper audit on you and, you know, tell you to pay it. Uh, you know, again, it's unlikely, but, you know, why do you want to split hairs on, on you know, on 2%? Just, you know, take it off the expense and, and, and you know, get on with it. Yeah. And, and actually, if we have a tax person out there that's a CPA or somebody wants to, Call chime in, in. chime in, and give their their opinion. We'd love to hear it. But uh, Mick, thank, yeah, thanks for the extra I, thought. Didn't sure. One other thing I mentioned: sure. I don't know what they would do about points and travel credits and things like that. I don't yeah. know how you would be able to figure that out. But <laughs> when you're getting ca actual cash back. That's uh, easier to deal with. So thanks, guys. I appreciate uh, your time. All right, Mick. Well, thanks for calling. Appreciate it. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye bye. All right, uh, that does it on the phone line eight six six five seven seven two four seven three. That's eight six six. Five seven seven two four seven three, and again, all lines are open. So, not being able to get in the past, you could get in now. Uh, one thing too with the IRS is that um, um, they just did actually that. You know, they're looking, and was it this past week they talked about Bitcoin, crypto, cryptos in general, not just Bitcoin, cryptos in general. That if the transaction is more than ten thousand, 
you gotta you gotta report it. I think they say. Yeah, you gotta report it. Yeah, I gotta report it. And guess what? Yeah, they say. Well, they can't find it. But if they do find it, you just committed fraud. Yeah. So that's what it kind of did. It kind of alerted people to the situation. And crypto, like, oh, they can't find it. They may not be able to find it now. But if they see a lot of activity and all of a sudden they see some strange cash flow in and out of your checking account, they're going to dig where that comes from. It comes from crypto. All of a sudden you go to jail because you were fraudulent in your yeah. tax return. So, all right. Uh, let's go to uh, uh, another uh, email that we got. I think this was last week as well, wasn't it? Yep. It was okay. weird. I, I normally don't get emails during the show. I got two during the show last week. Yeah, because I think we said if you want, you don't want to come on air, just email us uh, at our website. Uh, well, e email smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. And we can actually, you know, like we're doing now, read out on the air and, and, and look at the uh, company or the question that you have. Uh, this comes from a Robert. Uh, he says, with fears of rising interest rates, many people are thinking bank stocks may be a good investment going forward for the foreseeable future. I'd like to get your take on BAC, which is Bank of America stock, versus Wells Fargo, which is WFC, if you have any preference or concerns with either of those. Now, we've looked at Wells Fargo, I believe, last year. We've not looked at Bank of America for quite a while. It's funny, I was thinking the same exact thing. You know? <laughs> I was like, we haven't looked at B of, B of A. I, I can't remember the last time somebody's called in about it. I know, and it's, and it's funny because we think a, a lot alike because you were saying something before. I was like, I was going to say that. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say that. I was going to say that. So a lot of times, you we know, spend too much time together. We do spend a lot of time together. So, so what we're going to do is take a look at B of A. We can, we can comment on Wells Fargo because we just looked at it last week, and, and we do know it uh, fairly well here. So uh, trying to get to B of A now. Uh, let's see. Their symbol, again, is BAC. Uh, let's take a look here. Okay, here we go. So the P ratio for Bank of America is 18.2 versus 12.5. Uh, price to cash flow, uh, I'm sorry, price to sales, 4.3. That's above the industry at 3.1. Price to book value is 1.8 versus 1.6. So the valuation ratios for Bank of America look pretty good. And by the way, I, I do like their CEO. Uh, is it John? Brian Mahonian. Brian Monahan, I think. Yeah, Monahan. Yeah, Monahan. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I do like him. He just seems to be a good, a good CEO. Uh, we do see that the dividend that Bank of America pays is 1.7%. They use 31% of the earnings to pay that out. Now, again, no surprise here. A bank year over year for the last 12 months. Uh, sales were down 32%. Industry was up 0.15. Earnings per share over the last 12 months, year over year, did fall by 4.7% for Bank of America. But the industry was up 14.6%. So I would kind of like to know why B of A did not have the same earnings that the industry had going forward. Uh, and again, this could be something you could check with Wells Fargo, which maybe I'll do while you're uh, looking at the earnings going forward for um, uh, uh, Bank of America. But we do send the balance sheet as a financial company, debt to equity, very good. It is a 1.7, uh, I'm sorry, 172 versus 312. So that is good. We do see that uh, no return on equity. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Return on equity is 8.3 below the industry at 10.7. Net profit margin. 25.6 for B of A, 24.6 for the industry. Again, very good uh, net profit margin for the bank and the industry. Chase, what about the earnings going forward? So current price here for Bank of America is $42.40. 52-week high is $42.95. And 52-week low is $22.39. And I just got to say, I uh, I sold B of A, I think, in 2019. Yeah. Um, and I had two stocks for a long time that I didn't sell. Um, that weren't in our portfolio that I bought in high school. 
And I mean, they were just great holes. One was Cummins and, and Bank of America. And both I sold lower. And of course, they went higher. And I'm like, right. I'm just going to get in our portfolio. And gosh darn it. You but, know? but the reason why you did that was because you weren't following them closely enough. Yeah. And you didn't get burned because, oh, I wasn't following it. So that can happen. The other thing I did with Bank of America, too, is I, I sold it. And then I uh, actually I didn't sell it. I donated it actually to charity. Oh. So it was kind of a easy way to get rid of it because yeah. I didn't have to pay taxes on my gain, which which is cool. But anyways, let's look at the numbers going uh, for Bank of America forward. December 2022, estimated earnings per share, less $3.10. Would give us a target sell price of $51.46. So some positive there in terms of valuations. I forget what the dividend was for Bank of America, but uh, I think it's decent. I don't think it's as strong as it was. Um, see, obviously, with the price appreciation, that dividend yield does decrease. Uh, yeah, it was 1.7 yeah. for, for them. Yeah, so... And, and the, the difference, I think B of A's, were you finished? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the difference with B of A, uh, B of A's done a great job going forward. I think they, they, they're they a good investment. Uh, it's kind of left now for Wells Fargo. We liked Wells Fargo because we felt they would turn things around with a new CEO. Uh, they had a good balance sheet. That uh, They had their act together, but they were still being suppressed by the government regulation. Well, we know that's coming off. We know things are turning around. So Wells Fargo was... I'm going to say three, four months ago, I think a better investment because they had more upside potential than B of A does. Yeah. But I think now they're, they're probably pretty much neck and neck. You could buy B of A or Wells Fargo. But but it's still, Wells Fargo still has that pressure. So maybe when the government comes out and says, yes, we're done, you could get a, a decent pop in the stock because of that. Yeah, and I, I know that uh, I think we talked about J.P. Morgan here pretty recently, and, and, and we like the bank stocks. Yeah. Um, but right now they're actually holds for us. I mean, because as we just covered with Bank of America, we talked about Wells Fargo, yeah. the, the price return on the stocks have been very strong for financial. You kind of miss the boat a little right. bit. You're a little bit late. You're on the dock waving goodbye. Right. <laughs> and the thing is, maybe that boat comes back and it creates buying opportunity or maybe it sails off in the distance and you miss it. But um, I, I wouldn't be buyer here in the financial sector. But if you own one, I, I wouldn't sell here either. I think it's a uh, a good hold. And as I said, we're going to find out more about the uh, kind of financial stress test and the, the Fed's kind of limitations they've placed in a couple of months to see if these companies increase stock buybacks, increase yields, uh, could, could be a benefit to uh, those shareholders with financial companies. And just amazing how, how, how fast time goes because we're now about the end of May. So they'll report earnings. Well, they got one more quarter, the end of June. So we'll probably start hearing about uh, mid-July. I think the banks are usually the first ones to announce. And you're right, we're going to have a lot more information on that. Uh, but I would still be patient. Uh, and I forgot on the B of A, what was your target sell price? You pulled this okay. It was like 51. 51. And, and, and was it a buy now? Was that 30% away or still? Yeah. I didn't calculate the exact number on okay. that, but I th I'm pretty confident. Yeah. It's a hold about 21% away. 21%, yeah. So you, you have to be patient with virtually all the banks, but they're not that far away. We, we have some companies that are extremely well. They're like, gosh, 20, 25% away from the target buy price. Uh, but the banks are, we'll say five, maybe 10% away. And, and again, we keep talking about, and it's, I don't think it's a secret, stock market does not go up continuously. Yeah. You do have these breathers, and they call the pause that refreshes and so forth. I think the economy is, is okay. There's a lot of cash in the economy. But something's going to change to where there's going to be that pullback that would be the time to do your investments. And it's very hard. Uh, I, I know we talked this past week that uh, somebody called in. You looked at their portfolio. They've been with us for a couple of months. It's like, 
we only had what 36 percent of the portfolio yeah. invested it's not that we don't want to invest it just being very patient and and, and that patient pays off and doing this for 40 years and you really benefit a lot when you're patient. And, and I want to point out, doesn't mean you're going to buy the absolute bottom price. Yeah. But if you buy 10, 15% below what it is now, it really enhances your compounding over the next two, three, four, five years. So you got to be patient. That's why we do the target price. That's, that's why we go over all these numbers. And keep in mind, we're, we're, we're spending about, we'll call it two or three minutes here looking at things, trying to point in the right direction. But when we're looking at companies, it takes a lot more time to make sure we're not going to make a mistake. And buy something too high, which we will never buy at the absolute bottom or only if we're lucky. But again, you've got to do that exercise to be a good investor. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I, I do think it is a, a good sector to kind of have on your watch list for a pullback. And, and yep. as you said, we know it's coming. I don't know when, Yeah. but um, I, I think it's a good diversifier in your portfolio. I think you're going to get good yield from it going forward. It just, just be patient with it. I mean, yep. and that's the big thing that people miss too is if you miss out on it, it's okay. You know, uh, Warren Buffett was famous for saying that, uh, the nice thing about investing, it's a zero strike game, I think is what he what he said essentially. But what that means is you can stand at the plate all day and you don't have to swing at anything. Yep. You can wait for the pitch you want. And guess what? Sometimes you're going to miss a pitch. That's okay. There's another pitch that's coming that, that you might might like even better. Yep. Yep. So be patient. There's, there's going to be opportunities. And that's where people, I think, struggle. As I kind of said with this, right. like I sold it. But, you know, you can't beat yourself up over it. Right. You're going to have opportunities like that where it's like, oh, gosh. You know, like I say, it's hard to be at that plate and not swing. I remember when I played baseball younger. You know, you're sitting there like, everybody's watching me. I'm not swinging. <laughs> I'm embarrassed because I'm not swinging, you know. Well, don't be embarrassed about it. And, and again, you go to the thing, you, you go to party. And we always talk about the party talk because now, hey, parties are coming back. People are actually going home <laughs> publicly. Um, you invest. Well, I'm only about 30, 40% invested. Oh, you're missing this. You're missing that and so forth. Don't be embarrassed about it. Because investing is not, and it really is not for two, three, four, five years. It really is a lifetime thing you do because even when you retire, you still are building your portfolio because you got to be prepared for inflation. I mean, if you retire, you know, 65 and you live another 30 years, you can't be living off the same amount you live off when you're 65. So it is a lifetime thing you have to do. And you've got to think of a lifetime way to invest. And I think that is so interesting to bring up the point on inflation is I, one of the comments I had on Facebook, actually, on the real estate post was, well, I'd rather buy real estate than sit on cash because my cash is going to not keep up with inflation. <laughs> and I think it's the right ideology, right? but it's wrong in, in practice because if you buy the house, let's say now, or you buy a stock now and it pulls back 15 20%, which could happen in six months, well, if you had the cash, you could have bought on sale. Right. The cash should be utilized for future investments. You shouldn't just say, well, I'm going to keep $500,000 in my savings account. No, that, it's not a long-term investment. You can keep cash in your investment portfolio, but it should be earmarked to invest. It's a decision you make, not that you default to. And that, that's a big difference when people say, oh, you know, you're sitting on the cash, you're not doing anything. Uh, the industry has been tainted by, again, Wall Street because Wall Street was – Come with us. We're going to invest your money for you. And they would invest everything. They do stocks, bonds, whatever. Oh, we're doing a great job. We invested everything for you. That is not the right way to do it. If things are too expensive, you don't buy. I mean, just be patient. And maybe you got to wait three, six, maybe 12 months before you get it fully invested. Who knows how long it's going to take? But it's silly for you go to a regular broker and they're going to invest all your money right away. And I've seen this over the years. And then people are like, 
yeah, I was with a broker at XYZ company, and uh, you know, I've been with him for five years, and I'm, I'm still not even break even yet. Why? He bought everything at the, the top. He wasn't patient. Well, it is interesting because a lot of times people, I, I think I'd rather be in the bond that has a 2% yield than cash. <laughs> or you see, it's like, well, I'm, I'm 40% in bonds. Right. I think it's safer to be 40% in cash. Yeah. Because it's easier to get out of that cash and buy stocks on pullbacks. And also, when interest rates go up, bond prices go down. Well, now, great, 40% of your portfolio, that's not doing anything for the next five to 10 years. I think that's going to do worse than cash is going to do. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I think, a dangerous game to play to say, well, but my financial advisor invested everything, and you guys have too much cash. Yeah, we're sitting on cash. Yeah. But as I said, I'd rather sit on cash right now than be buying bonds. Right. It makes no sense to me. And I would love to compare my portfolio five years from now to that broker that invested everything. Maybe maybe even six months. I don't know. But but again, it, it's just the it, it's one of those rules of thumb that uh, just doesn't make any sense. And and again, it's for for brokers. They want to make it look like they're really working. Where we look like, oh, they're not doing anything. They're sitting on cash. No, we're, we're working probably harder now than before because we are actually looking for yeah. things to buy. Uh, we actually never kind of just sit back and lay back because something's always going on. But for the broker, I mean, that's why a lot of brokers may play golf. They yeah. invest all their clients' money, they go play golf because they got nothing else to do. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and I, I did want to kind of, I don't know if we have callers here or not, but I, I, actually, I was going to give them the phone numbers because uh, phone lines are all open. So let me be for yeah, you. Yeah, I'll yeah. give so, my thought. So phone lines are all open. Uh, phone number 866 577 2473. That's 866. 866- Five seven seven two four seven three, and again, all lines open. So go ahead. I was going to say too. Uh, the other thing that I think people need to be cognizant of. I mean, we're talking about brokers putting all the money into you know stocks and bonds to to kind of appease people. Oh yeah, you're fully invested. The other thing you got to be cautious of is the the funds, the mutual funds, the, mutual the target funds, right? date funds, <clears throat> or the balanced funds. Those all have, could have, especially a significant portion of that money in bonds. And it's fully invested. It's fully invested. It's easy. You just pick the target date you want yeah. to retire. But you're not looking at the underlying investment of that fund, which could be very, very heavy into bonds. And I, I just think if it's a terrible time where if we get inflation, bonds are, I think, just going to get crushed. Yeah. yeah but- and and I will say maybe they, if they might not decline substantially. Like I'm not saying that bonds are going to go down 50%. Right. What's going to happen is your real return is going to be terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So. And, and and again, I've been doing this for 40 years, and I wasn't always as smart as I am now. I had to learn from experience. And back in the 80s, yeah, I was buying mutual funds and I was buying bond funds because that's what I was told to do. But I kept questioning it. Like, well, this is not making sense. And, and I'll never forget they said, don't talk performance. Don't tell them what they're actually earning. I go, but isn't that what we're supposed yeah. to be doing, making people money? And it was just very strange that uh, uh, how things are. And that's still in the industry, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. And I will say, you weren't necessarily wrong. The 80s, bonds probably paid a very good yield. So it, it wasn't a terrible place to be where right now it just makes no sense. And right. <clears throat> um, I I just I don't see any reason for having bonds in the portfolio. And, and people say, oh, you guys just do stocks. <laughs> Just do stocks. We've talked about the real estate investment trust that, that we like to use. Uh, there's another one we're also looking at that could give us a little more exposure to different real estate. Right. Um, but very important, these are all public. They're not private. Those are very dangerous places to be. But on the other side is bonds. We will use bonds in the future. I, I yep. can almost guarantee you that. But I, I just think that's not a good place to be for the time being. 
Exactly. And, and again, I'll really look at what's going on. And I think some brokers just want to follow the old rule. Like, okay, you're 70 years old, so you got to have uh, 70% in bonds and 30% in stocks. Gosh, well, that's just terrible. Yep. But, all right, phone number is 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. Let's go to Point Loma and speak with Richard. Richard, you're on the Smart Vegetable Brand. Jay, how can we help you? Yeah, good morning. Um, first thing, I'd like to thank you because I've been doing housework and listening <laughs> to your show, and it, it makes the housework go a lot faster. Well, we're, we're glad we can help out, and you're being productive uh, doing two things at once, so that, that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I've owned this stock off and on, and I hold it right now. Um, it's kind of a kind of an internet finance company, and mm -hmm. uh, they used they used to be the old arm of GM fi financing, I think. And um, so anyway, I'd like your opinion on it. Uh, you still there? Yeah, well, yeah, we, we we heard we want you want your opinion on and then you went blank. So what, what, what oh, do you want? Yeah, well, you went blank on me too. <laughs> <laughs> it's on Allied, uh, A-L-L-Y. All righty. Well, and you hold that. So let's take a look at Ally Financial Incorporated. Their symbol is A-L-L-Y. Uh, good start here, Richard. P.E. ratio 9.1. That's below the industry at 12.1. Again, valuation ratios, you want them lower than the industry average. We do see price to sales 2.5 versus 2.4. Price to book value 1.4, well below the industry at 3.2. And then price to cash flow 5.3. That is also better than the industry at 8.1. Now you get a small, decent dividend, I'll call it, 1.4%. They only use 13% of their earnings to pay that out. We do see sales year over year down 12.7%. The industry was up 2.4. So I will want to know why their sales were down 12%, especially when I see the earnings were up year over year, 127%, well above the industry at 85. Looking at the uh, balance sheet, again, a financial company, debt to equity 142. That's very good because the industry is 210. Return to equity for Ally, well, that's 15.6 versus 20.4. Net profit margin, 27.6. That is better than the industry at 20.4. Chase, what do you got for the uh, earnings going forward? You know, I, I haven't really spent much time with this company, so I, I did kind of go look at what they do. And uh, mainly it looks like they do auto, which would make sense why they yep. spun off from GM perhaps. They do the personal loans, mortgages. Uh, they also do investing in retirement as well. So it looks like they are a platform and offer like self-directed trading and managed portfolios. So um, yeah, it, it looks like they run the gamut here. And it looks like they also offer savings accounts that pay a little bit more in interest where I'm talking 0.5% the <laughs> online savings, but uh, higher than uh, a lot of other banks. So uh, looks interesting on that front. Looking at the numbers here, a little bit more detail for here, Richard. Current price, $53.13. 52-week high, well, that's $55.14. Wow, 52-week low, $15.64. So done very well off that low. Now I go out to December 2022. I see estimated earnings per share of $6.20. That would give us a target sell price of $102.92. So the value looks quite strong here. It almost looks too strong. Uh, would want to spend a little bit more time understanding the business, but it, it looks interesting. You know, and Richard, one thing I've noticed on these financial companies, they do seem to have very high target sell prices. And you really got to understand yep. how they kind of look. I mean, we, we like it, but we're not convinced on these financial companies 
and we use 16.64 times earnings. If that's really the right one to use for these financial companies. Um, but I think for now, as Chase said, I mean, it, it looked pretty good. Yeah, so, I yeah. wouldn't sell it. I don't think at this no, level. No, not this level. Yeah, um, I would say that kind of their brokerage type activities um, are newer. Okay. You know, they started out at, um, with the auto of financing and uh, they're moving into different markets trying to compete with the other fintech type stocks yeah, um, yeah. So. we do have uh, some competition there I, I think capital one's in that area synchrony financial uh there's a few other big players in there so it's kind of a, a competitive market i think wells fargo even competes with them and and uh, and what they kind of do is the behind the scenes financing many times as well so but uh yeah i i think it's good it's kind of like a not quite a bank, but it has some of the same bank fundamentals to kind of help out in this yeah. rising, rising industry. And, and I want to thank you because you're breaking up the housework. I got to go back to vacuuming now. I'm sorry. That kind of <laughs> sucks, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, Bernie got that one. My call. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for calling, Richard. Don't be a stranger. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. I, I think only Brendan got my joke about all that stuff. I got it. Okay. <laughs> I, I hope the listeners got it as well. So, all righty. Phone number is 866-577- 2473. Again, that's 866-577-2473. Let's go out to San Diego and speak with Ted. Ted, you're on the Smart Best Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Oh, great. Good morning, guys. Love the show. Thank you. I um, I hear you talking an awful lot of when to buy in more of a, a trader's mentality. I'm sitting on a bunch of Apple with a cost base of $5. Oh, wow. So... Yeah, so that's the problem you want, but, but it's it's still a problem. What little research I've done, it seems my only option, since I don't have any uh, losses to offset besides the standard three grand I think we get, is to just sell and take. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> we just lost Ted. And why, why does it happen right when they're saying my only option is, yeah. and then we, we don't have the rest? So. Uh, Ted, we apologize. We're, we're going to have to call, call back. He must be on a, what, a Verizon phone or AT&T. seems to be the ones that are having, having the troubles there. But uh, we can kind of talk because I think I know what direction he's yeah. kind of going. Is that, and what I wanted to ask him was how much percentage-wise does Apple make up of the portfolio? Because that could be a big thing as well. Yeah. Uh, we have talked that, yes, Apple is pricey. Great business. Uh, actually, I, I didn't hear um, how it went yesterday, but didn't uh, um, Tim Cook testify. Yeah. Testify. I didn't hear how that went. I know the stock was down a little bit. Uh, they said that it looks like they have a case. And I didn't really, I'm going to get off track here a little bit, but we, we got a minute. Um, I didn't like the comparison they were making saying that, and the, the problem is with the apps, how they're, they're getting a 30% margin. Yeah. Well, they were comparing it to like the Xbox and some other things. And I thought, I don't get that comparison because you're, it, it, it didn't seem the same. Because, well, they're saying it's a store. Well, it's a store, but... You have other options on Xbox. You really don't have any other options. Uh, everything is on the iPhone with the App Store. Well, right? I haven't looked closely at it because they said the Google Store is the same. But I. So I've, are you saying that Google should also have to reduce their fee? No, I, I'm saying you got two options on the App Store, but you have a lot. I think a lot of different options on the gaming side is what I was kind of looking at. And, and I've not done a lot of reading on this or research. Yeah. I'm just kind of thinking logically, thinking that because I think wouldn't, wouldn't it be nice. If we just had one other competitor in our business, we could charge a 5% management fee. Well, why not? Because you can't get any place else. So I, I think that, and again, I'm not a big government guy, but I think you can't bring in more competition. But I think a 30% profit margin is extremely high 
for for what they do. Yeah, and and, and I I'm I'm going to go with the government this time that I that I think the government needs to cut their their profit margin down to a more reasonable one and not compare it to uh, an Xbox, but compare it to a, a regular store. Uh, if you go to a regular store, your profit margin is not thirty percent. So, um, but I I do kind of worry about that. I could be wrong because the commentators were saying, oh, we we get it. We think that they should do a thirty percent. So yeah, well, I think the the thing that Apple's trying to compare against is if you have a Samsung phone, well, you use the Google Store to get right. the same app. Well, if they're still having to pay a, a percentage to that um, provider, well, Apple's saying, yeah, we're, we're charging the same as them. They don't have any other options if they have a Samsung phone. They still have to pay that as well. Yeah, but you only got two options. You said the Google and Apple for the app. Yeah, so All I'm right. saying is that you think it should be reduced for Apple and Google. Yeah, if Google's okay. at thirty percent as well. Then yeah, yeah, they should reduce it for both of them. Yeah, because two com- competitors. What do they call that? It's not a monopoly. It's an oligopoly. I think it's called. Or it, it should be because this Apple and people can't see it, but I'm holding up my <laughs> iPhone. Phone. Is once you're on it, all you can use is the the store. Right, is the store that you have on your phone. And well, maybe they should open up different app stores. I don't know if yeah. that's a possibility, but that's kind of what you're saying is, well, now you have options. Well, I, I can get it on this app store or this app store. It's not a monopoly on that particular right. solution. I, it's an interesting point, and, and we'll kind of see how this plays out in court, yeah. I guess. And, and I do have to apologize. I've not done a lot of reading on this. And Epic, I mean, I know they're the ones that's doing the, the suing for it and so forth. But I, I just, you know, as a business mind goes, two companies is an oligopoly, which is wrong. Yeah. You should have at least three to four, uh, and you should have a different option on your phone. Again, well, I don't want to use the Apple um, App Store. App Store. I want to use Brent Wilson's App Store. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should start that. <laughs> you know? So, so we'll we'll see what happens. It's gonna be interesting how it plays out. But I but I think it's going to. I, I think it could hurt Apple. Is my my guess. So. I don't think it's gonna help them. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, they, I don't think they're going to be able to increase the percentage. Right, right. They can't increase. But a lot of their revenue, remember when we used to hold Apple? A lot of their revenue was coming from the App Store. Oh, he's back on. Okay, so let, I, we heard Ted's back on. Ted, you there with us? I am. Okay. We don't know if you got to listen while we were talking when you were gone, but uh, you're just going to say, and I was going to ask you percentage-wise, how much does Apple make up in your portfolio? In that, uh, I'm not a recreational trader or investor, so... It's eighty percent of my uh, brokerage's accounts. Oh, what about overall? I mean, if you kind of factor that into four hundred one k's, things like that. Oh well, it's it's probably represents maybe eighteen twenty percent. Okay, okay, that, that, that's not as bad. Uh, but you are sitting on a great gain, and again, congratulations on on doing that. But I mean, you, you do have to start diversifying because it is over a target sell price. It is expensive. And you would hate to see Apple go from, I think it's around 125, go back down to 80. Because you're going to have a substantial loss on that. And I, I'm not going to say that's going to happen, but it is a possibility. Right. So that's what you want to do is come up with some type of plan uh, each year. And, and this is what corporate corporate uh, executives do because they have many of the stock as well. So they'll come up with a plan that they're going to sell the stock on this date at this price. Uh, well, th- this date or this price. And, and that's what you have to do. And, and because... Again, we were talking during the break or when you were gone that uh, I think this lawsuit with Apple could be a big problem for them because I think they make a lot of money off of that app store. If they cut, the government says, nope, you got to cut your earnings from 20% margin to, or 30, 30. 30% margin down to 20%. That's going to hurt them quite a bit. I, you know, so that, that is what worries me. So 
what we do for our clients when they come over, we'll say, look, we have a two, three, four, five year plan. We're going to sell some this year, next year. We don't know. We can't tell you what the price is going to be, but you got to start coming up with a plan to try to get that back down to a more reasonable level. Because if Apple, I don't see this happen, but just imagine if they took a 50% haircut, gosh, sure. you'd lose a big portion of net worth. And, and also, too, is, is the after-tax return you've had is still phenomenal. I mean, a lot of times people get too fixated. Yeah, but I paid this in taxes. Like, well, if I told you, you could make 8% tax-free. And I, I'm not saying this is what you did. Um, but if you can make 8% tax-free per year, oh, that'd be phenomenal. Okay, well, if you take 10% pre-tax and then pay the taxes, now it's 8%. Just, again, hypothetical numbers. Oh, it's not bad. So paying the taxes sometimes, it, it, nobody likes to do it. But it, to kind of diversify away from your over-concentrated position, it, I, I'd say it would make some sense. And Ted, for I think I'll just, I think I'll just take that and flip it into Amazon. That way, I'm really diversified. <laughs> there we go. We like it, Ted. <laughs> but what I was going to say too is one thing we've done for some of our clients also that are a highly concentrated position is we put on there what's called a collar, which is using a put and a call to try to protect them, uh, you know, from from a big loss. Uh, and, and that we've done for people in their same situation. So that's one thing. And we caution people to kind of do it on your own because there's a lot of risk involved in that. You really have to know what you're doing. But it's something that we have done for clients. If you want to know about it, you can call the office and we can do it for you. But it is an option. It's called a collar uh, that works very well for concentrated positions also. Already? Awesome. Perfect. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. All right, Ted. Thanks for calling. Have a good one. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. That opens the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866 866- Five seven seven two four seven three. And Chase, I kind of hesitate about talking about the collar because it is something that can be very dangerous for people if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. But um, I was also thinking about bringing it up, and then I was like, ah, yeah. I don't know. But no, it's it's a good thing to kind of consider because it is it is a way for people that have huge tax liabilities to kind of hold it a little bit longer, and then also protect that downside, which is. Yep. important in many cases yeah yep. so yeah people lost a lot of money on options so again we we always downplay the options but it's, it's, a, it's a tool yeah. and when you use in the right place it can actually be a good tool i mean you you don't want to use a sledgehammer to uh, put a nail on the wall you know so that, that, that's <laughs> put a hole in the wall <laughs> right exactly so all righty uh let's go out to terra santa and speak with john john you're the smart vegetable brand chase how can we help you Hey, good good morning, uh, Brent Chase. Uh, yeah, it's been a while, huh? I know. I was gonna say yes. <laughs> so it's good talking to y'all again. And um, yeah, I was talking to Brent, and I got I've, I was looking at something I'm considering. Uh, it's called Enterprise Products Partners LP. Okay. Uh, EPD is a ticker, and uh, like the dividend and uh, PE is seems well. It's actually pretty high for the oil sector right now, but uh, but anyway, I was just in it. It's got it's making money and it's got a decent cap. So, you know, those are some of the things I know we we usually look for for make sure they got looks like they got about a 51 billion uh, cap there. So, but it's it's on the high end. But hey, with a eight, almost eight percent, well, seven and a half percent dividend, something to look look at. And it's you know not just oil, natural gas too. So, hmm. see what y'all thought. All right, let's take a look at Enterprise Products Partners Limited. Symbol is EPD, and again, you said you're looking at it. You don't own it yet, correct, John? Not yet. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> All right, so we start with a P-E ratio of 14. That's well below the industry at 33. That's a good start. Mm-hmm. Price to sales looks good, 1.8 versus 2.4. Price to book value, 3.2 versus 3.9. And price to cash flow 
is only 8.7 versus 36. So the valuation ratios do look very good. You do get a 7.6% dividend. They do use 104% of their earnings to pay mm. that out. Yeah. But again, I'm sure they had some lower earnings a quarter or four quarters ago, which is hurting that. So if you kind of maybe take out that first quarter from before, it may actually put that payout ratio a little bit better. So you'd have to yeah. kind of do that math. Uh, we do see the sales were down uh, 9% year over year. Industry was up 6.9. Earnings per share fell by 19.8. Four, and I say that because that's the exact same as the industry. I've never seen that before. I can remember was the industry and the company was exactly the same. Mm. Uh, look at the balance sheet. I got a current ratio of one versus 0.9. That is good. Debt to equity, 114 versus 144. I'm okay with that debt to equity, but I'd want to make sure they have good cash flow, uh, make sure the debt is not increasing, that they're trying to decrease it. So that would be okay if they're, if they're trying to decrease that debt and got good cash flow. Return on equity is 15.9, I'm sorry, 14.9 versus 7.6. Net profit margin, 13.4 versus 7.2. That's very good. And then we see what turnover, 6.3 versus 7.4. And inventory turnover, 7.7 versus 9.2. Chase, what about the earnings going forward? Well, I did kind of look at the company a little bit further, and it looks like they do pipelines and services. And I might say something that could get me in trouble here, but uh, I don't know where this administration stands on pipelines. We <laughs> shut them down, and then they say pipelines is the most efficient way to transport oil and gas and stuff. So I think it's an interesting concept, and I think pipelines are great. So right. I, I think they, they are great for transporting uh, different <clears throat> energy products. So I, I, I like the business. I like they're involved in that. One thing I would caution you on, John, is it is a limited partnership, which can have different tax consequences so just be a little bit cost of that like i think you get a k1 and have to do different filings Mm -hmm. um but i think if it's in an ira i think you're safe yes yeah Yeah. so just something to consider but uh looking further at the the numbers current price here for enterprise products partners 23 dollars and 71 cents 52 week high well that's 24 dollars and 30 cents and the 52 week low 14 dollars and 90 cents i go out to december 2022 I see estimated earnings per share of $2.15 would give us a target sale price of $35.69. So it looks like it still has some value there. Mm-hmm. Also would tell me that kind of as Brent was speculating on that dividend payout ratio is it could be much safer as four quarters ago their earnings were lower, which as they increase, your payout ratio would decline. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there's some interesting points here to consider that that's, uh that's what i was thinking could be worthwhile <clears throat> yeah i mean i was i was, I had to chuckle a little bit here that's the first time i think we won full circle if you remember back in the day first met y'all i brought up a little bit of, on the political side and now finally <laughs> you guys are coming around and talking politics first before i do so i'm well, glad to hear that <laughs> and i i just kind of kind of bring it up again because you know again we, we don't want to be political but you got to look no. at what's going on in the administration and again if they are going to and it is it because initially like no pipelines no pipelines and then yeah. there's a political colonial oh yeah Bud- Budavage, well it, ex- explain yeah. to me how how just explain to me how we're reducing the carbon footprint by removing you know pipelines when you're going to have to truck it or rail it or something that's going to increase your so anyway but yeah we're going to try to try to get russia we're going to try to help the russian pipeline to germany <laughs> okay, that now, makes all kinds of sense doesn't now, it uh, john now you're going too political yes <laughs> beyond my pay grade <laughs> yeah. we're just looking all for right, the business right. side I'm from, sorry, from... I'm gonna, I'm sorry i'll be quiet i'm just gonna put, bury my head next time again <laughs> but but again yeah. when we're looking at buying this piping company it is yeah. important consideration because if they're going to reduce the piping 
you know, the administration, well, that's not good for this company. But if yeah. now they've kind of changed in their objective to where they're yeah. going to increase piping, well, that's going to be good for the company. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I and I think, Common yes, sense. someday, yeah. yes, we're going to have all electric cars. Not in my lifetime. Mm, yeah. But it's going to yeah. be a slow progression to that. In the meantime, you still have to transport oil and energy efficiently uh, through pipes. So, yeah. Yeah. But we got to, and I know that the administration seems to be split on this a little bit. So right. you got to watch that if you buy this company, because if they say, no, no, we're going to cut down yeah. the colonial pipeline. Well, <laughs> no, not, 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 now <laughs> you're really in trouble. <laughs> no, but I tell you, it might, it might do us some good if we, you know, good folks that got common sense and look, you know, know that natural gas is, a, you know, little carbon there. Hey, why don't you encourage, uh, encourage those industries by, by investing in them. But uh, I hear you. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, Tough sell, but next time we'll talk about Occidental and maybe reducing carbon. Uh, there we go. <laughs> I like that. Hey, thanks, guys. <laughs> okay, John. Your help there. Thanks for calling. God bless. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you. All righty. That does open the phone line, 866-577-2473. That's 866-577-2473. And it is so important, Chase, as we mentioned, to talk about what is going to go on. I mean, that's kind of like, you know, if the government's going to – the government actually does pay big credits for electric cars, yeah. you know. So you, you've got to know what the government goes on. And, and everyone has a right to agree or disagree with it. But as an investor, you have to know about it. You can't put your head in the sand and just say, well, I don't care what the government's going to do uh, about pipelines. Of course you've got to care about yeah. it. So, no, absolutely. We'll, we'll let people make their own decision, good or bad, on, on that. But as an investor, you got to do that. All right, let's uh, take one more call here I think we've got time for. Let's go down to Chula Vista and speak with James. James, you're on the Smart Investor Brent Chase. How can we help you? Love the show, guys. Just a quick note on that. Uh, John Kerry happened to sell an Occidental Petroleum, Duke, and some other energy stocks. So this is kind of a funny wrinkle to this whole conversation. You said he's um, been selling them, you said? I don't know if he's selling them or not, but according to Fox Business, he actually owns them, which yeah. is really, really interesting. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, but huh. um, I love the way you guys open the show about being patient. I just love it. But I'm reading a book right now, Richer, Wiser, Happier by mm -hmm. William Green. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you read it, but he actually studies the greatest investors of all times. And one of the things that he talked about is exactly what you said, patience. Mm -hmm. So um, I have a question for you, though, because tax uh, inflation is a tax on savings. Mm -hmm. Yes. So to keep it in cash, I mean, it just it's just it's just like a killer. So what are your thoughts on that? I'm just curious. Well, you, you've got to look at the time horizon because, again, we're, and I've had clients for 10, 20, 30 years. So, yeah, there's going to be times that maybe you're sitting in cash for – three, four, maybe six months, maybe eight months. I don't know. Uh, and yeah, inflation's going up like, oh, I'm behind the game. But the game is much mm -hmm. longer. I mean, you're talking a football game. It's got four quarters. You're, it, many times you're in the first minute of the game. You've got another four quarters of 15 minutes to go on. So, so that's what I have to realize, the long-term perspective, not that you know, you're in cash. And, oh, my gosh, inflation's killing me. Be patient. Wait for the right pitch. And, and the thing I would say as well is, in five years from now, the, the cash position that we're talking about, I'm going to say I'm 99.9% .9 sure we will not have it as high yeah. in cash. If you were to leave it in savings for the next five years, you're 100% right. That is a Inflation is a tax on your savings. But to actually look at different investment opportunities, I'll kind of give you an example here. Is we have a company that uh, did very well for us last year. We, we love the business, and it went way, way up. Well, we weren't buying it for new money coming over. We were being patient. It pulled back about 15, 17%, I want to say somewhere in that realm. 
the market didn't pull back 15, 17%. But what we did is now we had cash. We bought that business. Mm-hmm. So there's different opportunities that are going to arise over the next few months. And I think that we're talking about being patient here. We're looking over the next probably two, three, four, five months. You'll start to see our cash position wind down as we find different opportunities on different pullbacks. And then we're not going to lose to inflation in that regard. But yeah, you're 100% right. If we just stayed in cash for the next five years, that's a terrible decision. <laughs> Fair enough. It sounds like a winning strategy. So the company I'm calling about is a, is a San Diego company. Um, I love it because they make the best mouse trap. It's called a LRAD, Long Range Audio Device. It's used for crowd control. And the company's called Genesis, uh, Gamma, Nancy, Sam, Sam. So okay. what are your takes on that? All right, we got to be quick on this because I know we're getting close to the end of the show here. So uh, we do say, again, Genesis is the company. Symbol is GNSS. P.E. ratio 20.2 versus not material for the industry. Price of sales 4.6 versus 1.6. Price of book value 5.1 versus 7.7. And price of cash flow 18 versus 19 for the industry. So valuation ratios look okay. We do see sales are up 35% year over year above the industry at 9.8. Earnings per share did climb by 591%, well above the industry at 70. I like seeing that. Balance sheet looks very good. Current ratio 3.5 versus 2.1. Debt to equity 0.56 versus 22.9. That's very good. Return on equity is 23.6 versus a negative 6.4. And net profit margin 23.4 versus a negative 1.8. And then receivable turnover 8 versus 7. And inventory turnover 3 versus 6. Chase, real quick on the earnings. Current price here for Genesis $6.17. 52-week high $8.33 and low $3.90. I go out to September 2022. Unfortunately, I see earnings per share, estimated earnings per share, just $0.14. Cents. Would give us a target sell price at $2.32. So below that current price. And, and one thing I will point out for you is it is a small cap company. So $208 million is the market cap. Oh, wow. So there is just like three analysts on it, which can have some consequences on the earnings estimates because if they're not, I think, hyping it up, or I don't want to say hyping it up, but if they're not following it super closely, they they might be off. Yeah. So yeah. typically, and, like to stay away from small caps. I think you said they do rat traps. I hate rats, so I like that. <laughs> <laughs> or are we just saying that as a concept? Do they yeah. do actually rat traps or no? No, 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 no. They make this thing called the LRAD, which is basically LRAD, okay. <laughs> they make these uh, devices to control crowds. Oh, okay. So, um, ah, okay. It's a big, big, it's a little tiny speaker that has a big, big sound that can go through buildings, can communicate like, uh, uh, you know, I think it's like, I think 5,000 yards away. Okay. It's, it's pretty phenomenal technology. All right, James, I wish I could spend more time with you, but there's a closing bell. We got to let you go. Thank you for listening to Smart Investing Show. It is for information person only and should not be used as investment advice. If you'd like to discuss in more detail your investment needs or have other investment questions, feel free to call myself Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Or visit our website, smartinvesting2000.com, smartinvesting2000.com. And for more daily educational information on investment tips, go to our Facebook page, Smart Investing with Brent and Chase Wilsey. Today's show is sponsored in part by Thomson Reuters Refinitiv. Closing song, Frank Sinatra's My Way, is performed by local entertainer Roman Palacios. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investing Show. I did all that. And may I say, not in a shop. This program is sponsored by Wilsey Asset Management.